sit back and relax as you listen to the Train Kickers podcast. I'm Dave, and along with my co-host Dan, and our special guest Steve, plan to take you all around the exciting world of Titanicus. On tonight's episode, we're going to continue our intro to Titanicus, and we're going to pick up where we left off on that topic last time. Now, on to the show. So I just wanted to pop in here and go over two rules that we had some disagreements about and that we are a little bit wrong on. So the first one I want to go over is Awaken the Machine Spirit. When you roll your reactor die, if you get the Awaken Machine Spirit, you're supposed to make a command test. If you pass it, you're fine. If you fail it, then you look on your table and and roll on the table for the Machine Spirit. We incorrectly stated that for your Princeps Senioris, that he gets the plus two, much like on the when he's doing an order for that rule. He does not actually, if you look at the rules um, for the machine spirit, you don't get the plus. The plus two is only actually when doing an order. The other rule that went back and forth on was split fire. Um, Steve and I both had a much more strict interpretation of that rule, where Dan had a much more loose interpretation. And through just various discussions on, on different forums and all with people, it turns out that Dan's interpretation is correct. For whatever reason, both Steve and I just looked at it as being a lot more restrictive. Um, we don't really have a good reason why we thought it was so restrictive. We just kind of thought that it was. Um, but Dan was correct. So when you do split fire... You start by declaring your targets, so you could declare several Titans as your targets. And then you go through your normal steps 2 to 6 for shooting. Step 2 is you decide a weapon that you're going to fire, and then you go through the process of firing it. Then you repeat step 2 again later, which is choosing a weapon. Well, since you are allowed any of those as targets, when you're selecting the next weapon, you can select either of them or any of them to be the target of that weapon meaning that you could fire gatling cannon at a titan oh shields didn't go down okay well i'll fire my bellicosa at this other titan that is without shields so i'm just wanted to clear that up and now actually on to the show and how are you doing this evening dan hopefully with more voice than you had before it's only it's only (laughs) like three days past last recording so yeah, no, it's a, my voice is actually pretty good. Um, I know. Yeah, no, it's just been it's been recovering, and thankfully, this is the last week we have until winter break. Of course, our district decided to go into the absolute end of the week, like Thursday, three o'clock Ooh. is when we end. Oh yeah, no, they're they not even half play. days. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, uh, that's funny. No, actually, no, so I- yeah. No, it's a- Thank correct. Actually, we yeah. recorded early last week. I released late in the week. That's what it was. So you've had an extra week for your voice. Yeah, no, it's actually a lot better. Though. It should be a lot better. It should be a lot better. But yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. And for anyone who was um, listening to our other Titanicus episode, which if you didn't listen to that, stop this, go listen to that first. Otherwise, this won't really make that much sense. But if so, we have our, our friend Steve on again to discuss this. Hello, hello. How you doing, Steve? What's up? Doing all right. Relax. I have a nice cup of tea. And get ready to talk Titanicus. Oh. <laughs> that, that Wait, what kind up? of tea? <laughs> Not just some basic chai tea. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't had chai tea in a while. Oh. That's, Probably help your voice a bit. That's true. Well, I have a, I have a, I shouldn't be drinking it. I have the, um, my favorite tea is, uh, it's passion tea from Starbucks. It's like a mixture of like berries, which is probably not a good thing because it's got a lot of citrus in it. But um, that's yeah, bad for your voice. 
Yeah, no, but it's it's my like it's it's so good, <laughs> so good. Tea is very appropriate to sit and talk about a game by a bunch of British men, so I think that works well. All right, um, so we'll we'll get into the the show proper. One uh one comment I want to bring up from the last episode. Now it's only a few days after that had been released, but one of the comments we actually got from someone who had listened was um a little bit of of history that honestly I just don't I know I didn't see anywhere. Um, this game was before I started when it originally came out. I think it was before all of us sort of started at least in this branch of the hobby, and we had talked about you know how titanicus kind of came out first then it was you know space marine all that rolled into epic and all and, and what the what the gentleman mentioned was that the reason the game was really put in the plastic at that time and not metal or or like some of their specialist lines were because of blood bowl so apparently blood bowl at that point they had done and had, had come out and it was doing exceptionally well and they said okay well hey for these specialist lines we can put this in plastic and you know it's going to sell great for us because that's it's a big commitment to to kind of go into plastic. So I was not aware of that though. That sounds actually. I didn't know that at all. Yeah, he was mentioning it. Um, he, and he, he went through. I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but he went through a little bit of the extra all about it. Um, so I I thought that was interesting because again, I looking through to do our research, I found different things, but that kind of stuff I just wasn't able to find all of. It's kind of hard to find things that don't purely come from GW and they're not necessarily the best person to uh to discuss it. Um I uh, actually I'll, I I pulled it up. Here here's what he said. Um it got put into plastic because of how well Blood Bowl did, not just because of the interest at conventions. After how well 28 more millimeter warlords sold, they knew they were going to have a lot of sales for the small ones that they then did and that helps them switch to plastic production. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought oh, that was interesting. Twenty eighteen is plastic. Right. I like that a lot. Mm. Okay, more you know, I guess. Thank you, Blood Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Blood Bowl. I'll take it. Although now it gets Shit. more and more uh, resin. Unfortunately, as we go along, at least specialized into resin, but that that's still better yeah. than metal. Oh. Yeah, still better. Oh my god, my my infinity <laughs> is all metal. My entire tiered army is all mm. second edition metal models. I probably have some lead poisoning. I got to off for them. They're a pain to build, but it feels good in your hand. We, we talked about, I talked about this specifically with Infinity when we did our Infinity yep. one, um, where I was like, I love Infinity, I love the gameplay, I love everything, but it was just metal models are my biggest gripe with it. I cannot stand metal models. That's why my it's, Infinity has not been painted yet. Yeah. Um. But yeah, by the way, Dave, have you been doing anything? Have you been uh, hobbying at all? Um, yeah. So earlier today, I finished up another squad of gut rippers. So now I have three squads. Um, one with red shields, one with yellow shields, one with blue shields. Because you got to distinguish them somehow. That's um, what I did. <laughs> I finished the basing on them and 20 hobgrots. So now every one of them is based. Everything that's done is now fully based and ready to go. I still have another uh, three pack of bolt boys that are almost done. I've just got to do like highlights and everything like that on them. Then they're done. Once that's done, I just got to assemble um, uh, Big Bird. Um, the uh, can't Ooh. remember the dude's name. Prophet of Oh, the Morgan. crow, the crow. Yeah, the crow, the crow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I am. When I look at it, I, I would love to paint it up. Now, it, its head is very vulture-like and all. 
So like you need a certain scheme to make that look well and all. Although I do kind of want to paint him up as just a giant parrot. But he's he's going to look weird. It's probably not going to work well. But I think that would just be funny. Oh, Gobsprack. That's it. That's his name. Okay. I would say um, do it. That's awesome. Yeah, the problem is head's a little weird. Um, There's two heads in there um, because it's a multi-purpose kit. You either have Gobsprack sitting on the back or you just have like a boss sitting on the back. I'm going to magnetize that the same way I did my swamp boss. Um, okay. That way I can Makes run sense. either option. But you need to. I mean, uh, there's no way I'm buying an extra one of those kits. Uh, the, the, the swamp boss, there's a, there's a chance. The Sludge Dragger Beast, maybe I could I could see wanting to. I don't think I do, but I could see it. For this big one, no. No no chance I'd want another one. So right. I got a man. though. You did more than I did. Oh, no. Did I, I, did. I did a little more because I, I count buying yeah. things as hobby. I think it should count. Well, I did buy. Well, before I talk about this, Steve, what did you do this week? Right. Or since so we last talked? So I've been working on two things. On one end, I got a little bit of uh, shit from some of the guys in my Titanicus group. They're like, you know, why are models always falling apart, Steve? Why don't you just glue them? Um, so I'm finally finishing my models, going back, repainting armor panels to the quality I want them to be, instead of just being spray-painted the base color I want the armor to be. But more interestingly, I've been working on some custom weapon options for Titanicus. Um, so basically, my idea is I want to fill in the gaps in the logical scale of weapons, I guess, and bring in some stuff that we haven't seen before. Um, so at the most basic level, um, Warhound missile launchers, it was a thing way back in the old days of Titanicus. Mm -hmm. um, I think Dan was telling me something about that before. And there's kind of clues hidden in other weapon profiles that there should be a Warhound missile launcher. So I played a game with a quick um, stat mockup for that. Really changed the way the model worked. I enjoyed it. And then I started working on a sonic cannon that fits onto the Warbringer um, based on the Ordinatus weapon, um, lore-wise. Rules-wise, it does some really weird stuff. Um, should you want me to dig into that, or should I just kind of leave it nebulous no, like that? No, no, go ahead, go ahead. All right, so to break it down to what it actual effects are, it shoots a beam of sonic energy and it hits larger targets harder in lore. And I tried to translate that over to mechanics. Um, there's a couple of rules I pulled to bring to this purpose. Um, first of all, we have beam. Um, it's one of the weird rules they added after the core rulebook came out, but if you have the Loyalist Legios and Traitor Legios, it's in there. Um, basically, just draw a line from your base to the full range of the weapon. One million or wide, everything under that line is potentially getting hit by the weapon. The first thing that gets hit gets hit with the full force, and the next thing gets hit slightly less, and so um, So that's a really cool effect. So if you kill something, it's going to keep killing things. And then after that, to represent it hitting larger targets harder, it has a low base strength. Well, somewhat low, you know, medium level. But it gets um, to roll a d10 do damage instead of a d6 if you're at that short range. Um, basically, I stole the rule off of the melted weapons and gave it to this giant beam weapon. Because um, what that does is, mechanically, it gives knights a good save against the weapon. They're less likely to take serious damage, but then if a titan gets hit, 
they could it be in serious more. trouble. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I played with it. It felt different. It felt cool. Like it, it definitely had a certain weight about it on the table. My opponent was freaked out by it. And I was able to get a good shot lined up, and I took out two Warhounds with it. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty brutal. Granted, one of them helped by falling into the other one and taking out a lot of structure. But, yeah, it, it definitely had an impact. So that was the point of, you know, tweaking this, you know, how many dice does it get to attack with, what's its strength, and what's its point, and once that's all worked out, uh, damn, you got some stuff coming your way. <laughs> nice. <laughs> of course, more to paint, damn it. Um, no, no, no. Uh, what would you say, um, for, for trying to make your own custom stuff, what are you finding is the most difficult part of that? Is it trying to get a reasonable balance? Is it trying to figure out how many points to put this thing at? So, I feel like in Titanicus, the points, while they're there, they're not the ultimate balance point of the game. The balance of the game comes from everything fitting into its role. Um, some weapons, you know, they're good at knocking off shields. Some weapons are good at just doing wholesale, I'm going to smack some location really hard, strip off all its armor plating, and then something else could come along and finish off that spot, right? So when you're designing a new weapon, you want to make sure that it doesn't hit all the markers. It has to have some sort of downside and some sort of upside. Okay. Um, so for the Sonic Cannon, originally I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to make this thing like dice, you know, three or four, and it's going to do this, it's going to do that. And I looked at it, I'm like, this is really cool, but it does way too much to the point where it turns the game into something about the weapon instead of the weapon fitting into the existing ecosystem of the game. So, all right, so I got to, you know, find the niche that this could fill without overshadowing something that exists. Because um, even if you make a weapon expensive, you know, even if I, you know, say a weapon typically costs between 30 and 50 points, depends on the size of the weapon. But let's use this as a marker. Right? I, that, that's a fair spot to start yeah. at, yeah. Right? Absolutely. If, even if I made the weapon 100 points, it's still going on a model that's 300 points. So a 100-point weapon isn't that much of a jump compared to what it could do on the table. Like... The points guide the balance and help level it up, but weapon points don't really drive the balance of the game, I feel. So it's definitely in getting the stats to fit into that niche. You can't have too many. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, it makes sense. Everyone wants to have their you know, custom model do everything, but then it kind of breaks the game. You know, you got to fit it within the realm of what the models already exist. Exactly. Like, like if you had a weapon that was a high strength, high dice value, and blast, Oh my gosh, that would be... Yeah, exactly. It ruins Ooh. it. Well, that's why we were, you were talking about the missiles, right? The missiles you strapped on your Warhound. Um, the War Master has its... Uh, sh not shoulder. Its armpit gun missiles, which are... Like, they're not Warlord-sized, and they're definitely not Reaver-sized. They're Warhound-sized. And I think I sent you that old catalog picture of the Warhound... And one of the we Warhound weapons back in the day was missile pods. Hell yeah. It definitely changed the feel of the model, too. Like, I was playing with that thing totally differently than the rest of the list. Um, for context, people who do play the game, I was running an Arcus Maniple um, for that match. And having a Warhound in the back just plinking away shields did a lot 
even though it wasn't spotting for the Warbringer, did a lot just to soften up targets for that big cannon hit to follow up. Um, I played it at dice four because some people I was chatting with said, ah, you know, dice three is not very impactful. I think dice four was too much, so it's going to be dropped down to dice three. Um, and again, that's that's what the Warmaster has. It's it's dice yep. three in the shit. Yeah, so it's literally you just replicate, just rip it out of the Warmaster. Exactly, and that you know that helps a lot too with weapon design, where you're just moving things from one Titan to the next. On um, the missiles, I took the Warmaster shoulders, just moved it onto Warhound. Um, another one they have, I haven't tested it yet, but it really shouldn't need that much tweaking. Is taking the Warlord Volkite Destructor and strapping that onto a Warbringer. Oh yeah, um, that sounds good. Yeah. It should be a lot of fun. I love my giant chum cannons, so once that gets working, oh, yeah. I'm going to have fun with that. Volkite is the coolest looking. It may not be impact. No, no. No, it's good. It's a good gun. <laughs> oh, that's different. You used to talk about how uh, it didn't look very good. Wait, Volkite? No, Volkite always looked good for me. Okay. Um, I, I, no, no, I fell in love with Volkite because of um, 30k. I played uh, I played uh, Myrmidons, Myrmidon Destructors. These are basically... Yeah. What, what became obliterators uh, when the tech virus hit. Um, but you could take uh, them with the big boy Volkerite, which is a uh, strength, someone correct me, strength six, four shots. Seven, like yeah, that. the point is they wound Marines on twos, right? They hit on twos and wound Marines on twos, but they get to reroll ones and they hit in the wound. So I had like a squad of five and they just put out freaking 20 shots hitting on twos, wounding on twos. Um, but they don't like, like they don't, just they don't have AP anything. It's just you just put the amount of armor saves on something is ridiculous. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, if you roll enough, that's you're going to fail. <laughs> oh yeah. Very cool. <sighs> so so that's what you've been working on the last while, Steve. Just that sort of stuff. Just trying to homebrew your yeah, own stuff. Exactly. Because in the league, I kind of have a little like lore thing going on, um, where you know they're on this planet. Why are they all on this planet? It was the start of the heresy. I'm like, well, maybe they're you know the reason we have eight different Titan Legios showing up here is because we're doing a big weapon show. Like, look at the, what the tech priest dreamt up. Let's watch these new weapons in action. And then, oh wait, mm. we're pointing those at other Titans. I like that. And that kind of kicks off the whole conflict. Very nice. I will. Right. Um... I will mention the last thing before uh, before Dan went uh, out of the way there. So in terms of, like I said, I count purchasing. So for whatever reason, we decided that we're going to start playing some Star Wars Legion again. Uh, some of us have played it in the past. Some have never touched the game before. At some point, we'll talk about that as well once I have a... Honestly, it's been years since I've played it. Once I have a better footing on that. But we decided then, so I decided to go Separatist, which Dan, like I said, I have some imps or rebels if you want. I'll just hand them to don't you. Don't do it. I don't even care. I want Wookiees. No, I want Wookiees. Uh, Wookiees I don't have, but they have a bunch of stuff for them. Like I said, they just yeah, came out with their uh, Fluttercraft. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but I, I picked up some Separatist stuff. So I got like some, I got some of the Magna Guard. I got a spider droid and they're... Their transport vehicle, what's it called? The uh, tank droid, the Persader class tank droid. So I thought I was going to be able to spend today, get those assembled, everything else. But uh, I had a work project that I had to do that I've been avoiding the whole semester. 
So I haven't done any of that stuff that I thought I'd actually be able to do today. So once finals are over, I sit down and actually work on all that. Try to get it done Sounds in time good, so we can try using it. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. So now, 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 getting what? What have what have you done? I saw that you bought some stuff. Some stuff that you tried to get me to get you at yeah. PAX, but they're out of. Yeah, so I tried to buy it on Saturday, um, but I did not know that the hall closes at six. I got flipped out when yeah. that huge siren came out. What the fuck? Um, no, no, I, I finally caved. Um, okay, so with custodies, uh, I've always said that they're they're kind of like their models. I will not buy, will not purchase. So I hate the look of them. Uh, it's definitely the dick bikes. Those are the agamatis. I absolutely hate them. My friend has them. I tried to like them, but they just looked awful. They they're so bad. Um, the Coronis is the troop transport. I don't like it. The thing is, it's, it's massive. Like it, 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 you could fit like three on a table. They're huge. They're bane blade size essentially. Wow. But I did cave. Yeah, no, they're. I didn't think they'd be that big, but I. Uh, one of my friends had it, brought it in. It's it's like bigger than a Spartan tank, and that gives like for some of the thirty k people who listen for it's bigger than a Spartan tank. It's about the size of a bane blade. It's it's insane. Um, for holding holding six custodians, and it's not a great tank. So, little side note: the reason I don't get it is I don't like the look; it's too big. But also, it's 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 useless. Um, it's not an so you know you would use it in thirty k, forty k. It's too many points. Don't even use it. But thirty k, you would think, all right, custodians want to be in close combat. Spartan art assault tanks, you know, they can come out and assault and attack in close combat. It's not an assault tank. So I come out of the tank, and they're just sitting there for a turn. So I'd rather I'd rather just deep strike, which is what I normally do anyway. That's and I, I, I mean, it's points. To, yeah, that sounds like an oversight. It always has been, but you know, Custodes got the new book. I think that was book eight. They got updated rules, and it still wasn't an assault vehicle. And so, no one ever uses it because that's literally like why you would take it. You would want to assault, yeah. and it's it, it, the hatch is at the rear, so it's not like you could assault out the front. Um, but still, you want it to be an assault vehicle. It's just. You sit there for a turn, which is fine, but I'd rather just deep strike and because what is it? It's like it's it's Spartan point cost. It's like three hundred points, two hundred fifty to three hundred points. Um, for reference, it's five points to give my each model a teleportation device. So in a squad of five, that's twenty five points. So <laughs> I have to, you know what I mean? Like it just saves points to yeah. deep strike. Now that comes with more hazards, but I'd still rather do that. No, um, no glory. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and also, deep striking just sounds more fluffy too. Um, so um, I built some Alaris and Sisters because I finally I'm waiting for the Shadow Throne box. Uh, so that'll bring that'll bring me to what I need. Um, and yeah, I th- I bought three Caladius, which are the uh, gun tanks. They're like uh, Sakarans but floaty. So they're, they're basically anti. You could they can come with two turrets, um, and they come with an anti tank laser turret essentially, or um, a uh, rapid fire auto cannon is the best way to describe it. It's basically good for hitting uh, skimmers out of the sky or light tanks. But it's, it, it actually does look cool. I did fall in love with it after seeing it like live, and I saw how cool it looked. Um, but no to the dick bikes. <sighs> the next purchase might be the Coronis, just because I kind of want to have one just for funsies. But definitely never the dick bikes um and then i don't know maybe the flyers eventually like the big 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 flyers they come with but i I was talking about this with the group of 30k guys i'd rather purchase a thunderhawk custodies can't take them 
But I would rather, I wish Custodians could take Thunderhawks, because that, that would be an immediate purchase. Instantly. That'd be like my birthday purchase. Because I, uh, I love the way the Thunderhawks. That would be a lot of work to put that together, build and yes. everything like that. Yes, but that's a good project to hold me over. <laughs> I, I've, um, it was quite a while ago. I was listening to, um, um, I think it was an independent character or something like that. They had someone there discussing you know, Forge World, how to deal with it, how to put it together, all of that. And they were talking about from that kit. And I want to say it was the following episode. They said, you know, they had the guy back on for a bit. And they're like, hey, we, j- we just want to make sure we didn't scare people away from Forge World. When he talked about the things he did, like essentially putting a little bit of a skeleton in it because when you support it on its base that way you don't warp the um work the back and all because it's too much weight on it and all that kind of stuff like that oh thanks know. yeah no, it forge world comes with and that's also why i kind of stay away from the big boy flyers because i don't like doing that rod i know uh my, our friend brett has the rod um kind of have to yeah, I just, it's weird for me. But anyway, like I said, caved finally, and I did buy the Caladius, which I think does look cool. I'll give because it's it's not massive. It's big enough that it looks floaty, but it's not big enough that it's like takes up a third of the damn table, like the Coronas, you know. And you bought actual Caladius, or is this from nefarious yeah, regions? No, no, no. This is this is actual Caladius this time. Um actual caladius um i will say though in all honesty um because they don't sell the top turret separately i am nefariously printing or i shouldn't say printing someone is printing for me the uh the alternative turret because it swaps same chassis different turret so that way i don't buy six tanks you know what i mean i think that's stupid yeah so it's like two different boxes yeah, so it, you can buy the Caladius with the Annihilator gun, or you can buy the Caladius with the Accelerator gun. It's the same body, um, but it's two separate tops to the gun. So it's two separate um, kits, and they don't like put the other sprue in. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you played 40k, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, um, like you know how you have the Predator with the last cannon and also the uh, auto cannon top? Yeah. You can build both in the same box. This is not that. It's like they gave you an autocannon predator, or you could buy a las cannon predator. And it's two different kits, same body, two different guns. Oh, that—that's really shitty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. Actually, yeah, there's no nice way to put it. Well, that's it, just super shitty of them to do. No, it is. It no, is. It is shitty. Build it without a gun to just be an extra rhino. Yes. Yeah. So it's 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 yeah. So I did find nefariously. Other places the metal uh resin uh or, or cast the uh top turret and not for much not for much i think it was like 15 yeah 50 i'm looking at it now 15 bucks for the top turret um which is not bad because the model itself is like 120 140 it is a big model it is a chunk of resin but um for 15 bucks so 15 50 45 50 bucks let's say with tax i get the other three turrets and i could swap them magnets not bad i don't mind that at all that's definitely better than buying yeah, no. it, but that's uh that's a problem with just the yeah, way GW's doing it. T- yeah. It, they, this it, this happens with custodies a lot, but it's again nothing you can do. I find it happens with anything that's what I would call not necessarily specialist game or closer to a specialist game. Cause you get the same thing in Titanicus where, you know, here here is this reaver kit, it comes with these options. Here's this other kit, it comes with the other options. They'll sell you the sprue yeah. separately. They did start doing that after a while, but you don't get every option in one of them, even all the options that are in yeah. plastic. No, it makes sense. 
But yeah, no, it's, it's like I said, been doing good. I'll wait for that to come in. That should be fun to bane. I also ordered some extra custodies um, transfers as a just in case. I try to find a store. We'll talk about this later because I, I wanted to start a storm. So I did try to pick up the storm transfers, but those are sold out absolutely everywhere. So good luck. I don't know where I'm going to find those. Might have to- well, you might have to. I mean, you could always ask around any of the Reddit groups or the Facebook groups. There might be someone who has a couple spare yeah. transfers or something. A lot of other people do the same thing you did, where it's like, oh, let me get up all these transfers while I can. Then they find out they got a lot more than they'll ever use. Yep. <laughs> got that for Volpa transfers. Oh, no, I never get through half of them. Got like four kits of those things. But, all right. That seems like that's. Uh, a good amount of, of hobby and also we're going to save um games played till the end one i don't know if many of us have played too much that wasn't titanicus and since we're kind of theming towards that we'll stick a little bit closer to it but also we figure we should probably go a little bit more through the game itself and discuss it and all before we start talking about some of the nitty-gritty of um of of some games that they've been playing all right so we'll get back to it back to where we had left off and it looks like the the first thing that we kind of put down was a little bit more of how to actually put your army together. So yes, who, so I think yeah, good. Start. Yeah, so I thought this was a good start because we mentioned this in the last podcast, but um, I definitely want to go into more detail, especially since this is like episode two. Yeah. Um, and now you know someone listening is like, you know what, I want to play Titanicus. You know. Let's, you know, what do I need to start? What do I, so I kind of wanted to start with this because this is actually what happens before the game. Like, this is not the gameplay. This is, this is something that you actually have to do before the game. And it literally modifies everything you do. Um, it, it's it, hard to, because people are, yeah, go ahead. It, it, and it's what you should think about before you truly get into your game. You know, yes. in, you know, we're all people with different jobs, different socioeconomic backgrounds and all, but it's unrealistic to believe that like, oh, I'm going to get into this game. I'm just going to get whatever they have out. No, you're probably in the beginning, build towards a list, build towards a theme, build towards something in particular. Exactly. So if you can figure out your avenue before you start, then you can make sure any of your purchases that you make are well-informed and useful. The last thing you want is like, oh, there's two different boxes. I bought this box. Oh, the thing I want to do, like we don't we don't really use yeah. that Titan. Because some, some of these either lead you through the rules or through maybe stratagems or, or that you want to use or through um, anything else that you do, you might not even use certain types. They might not mean the ones that you want. Well, it's funny because one of the, <laughs> I remember this when I first started Titanicus, one of the biggest complaints was, oh, it's just loyalist versus traitor. It's Imperium versus Imperium. Where's the variety? Um, yeah. And I kind of laugh at that now. Um, it's, it's like, yeah, technically it's Imperium versus Imperium, but between just going down, the, just going down whatever, just like just between choosing Titan and Knight, uh, Legio, Traitor, uh, Traitor Loyalist, Stratagems, Maniple, like you vary your forces drastically. Um, so it's just really cool that there's that level of variety, you know. Anyway, that's just me. So. I mean, let's start with this. The first thing you do is you, and this, I know Steve talked about this. Now, I've never done this. I think Steve has, but I'll ask him. You either choose, you either want a Titan army with like a knight support, so they just support, or do you want a knight house army? So this is your first choice. Um, Mm -hmm. Steve, have you ever run like a knight house army? Because I've never done that. I did it 
once, and um, two of the guys in the league are doing it, so I had to you know, refresh myself on it. It is very cumbersome to write a knight-based army because there's so many restrictions boxing you in. So the basic building block of a knight army is the, I guess, the lands, right? So yeah. a lance yeah. of knights is the equivalent of a maniple of titans. It is always three units of knights. And of those three, two of them have to be the same base chassis. So it could be like a squad of Questorus knights, you know, all armed battle cannons and chainswords. And then, a, uh, what was that, the paladin? Yeah, that's the paladin. For those who follow like the 40k, 30k version of knights. Um, and then you have another squad of all errants with the melta cannons and the power fists or chainswords. And those are the same chassis because both Questorus knights. And then for your third unit in the lance, you do something else. You do a uh, lancer unit. You could do, now that we release them, you could do an armager unit up to one per lance. Or uh, one of the forge rolled knights, like the, um, the Steryx or the Megara or the, like, no term, Achigo. Yeah, not to press. But the hard part of writing a knight list is that each banner, which is like your squad of knights, has to be armed identically through the unit. Mm-hmm. So when you pick up a box of Questorus that has one Melta, one Battle Cannon, one Gatling Cannon, that's not going to give you a legal unit. Unless it's your overall army leader's unit. So list writing on knights is very difficult. Then um, I'm going to catch some flack for this. I'm going to catch flack, but I'm going to say the game is called Titanic. It's for a reason. Um... Knight armies are fun, they're great, but it's just, I don't know. It's called Titanic. It's just play Titans. Yeah, <laughs> you tell them, Dan. Like, I, know it, I know it's very divisive, and that's kind of gatekeepy a little bit, but I should, this big stompy robots, come on. Come they, on. Came, they came out with it because they had made some knights, and they're like, well, honestly, I think to a large extent, they said some people just want these little boys, and we could sell them a book. So yeah, let's, let's give them yeah. an ability to play. If you don't play yeah. with enough terrain, if you, if you don't play with an understanding with your opponent that you're going to bring an army of knights, you, as an also with good terrain, all that. But if there's not that understanding first, it's going to be a bad game. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's no very, doubt. it just, it changes, it, it's, I don't know. Titanic, up, you get, I don't want to say a fair game with all titans. You can get a fair game you with get knights a fair as well. Game. But it, yeah, but it's, it, it is. It is a fair game. Yeah, it's a skew. Well, it's which a, sucks, but yeah. You you bring these you bring these little little ones. So you, your your bigger titans have void shields, things like that. So you know you you put your giant weapon. You know, hits my void shield. All right, I I, I took one hit on it. I roll a die. Maybe I lose one void shield. You know, if it gets to my body, if I no longer have void shields, now you're doing some damage to me, but. You know, on your single hit, assuming your Titan isn't horrendously damaged, your single hit it might hurt me badly, but I'm I'm not out of the game. It's not all over at that point. You have your you know your volcano can something like that. You you hit a unit of knights. If I roll well, they're gone. Just get rid of all of them. Yeah. Or if I scatter well and I hit them in a, in a spot where I couldn't see them, then I, I take out a unit of uh, lancers coming in. Right, Dan. Yeah, 
or yep. even a quake cannon. Like a quake cannon will literally <laughs> nuke. You, you take, you take. <laughs> I'm trying I to ignore what you just said. Did you? Yeah, no, there I it do. is. Oh, I, I was remember. For that recognition. I, was to, I was trying to ignore it, but to oh, what Dave is referencing is literally his volcano. I think it literally scattered ten inches. I think it was actually our first game we ever played as well. Yeah, uh, fucking fucking things. So we'll talk about scattered ice, but it scatters ten inches away from it. It's intended target, ekes around the goddamn building and hits an entirely hidden night banner, just decimates them. And I'm just like, oh my fucking god! It was just, oh, I was so bad. Sixty no scope. I was so bad. Um, but even like a quake cannon. I always now I always take a quake cannon just in case someone takes knights, but it's also a good weapon period to take as a just in case. But I take a quake cannon. Oh, you have your Porphyrian knight on first or uh, on first fire, so now he hits on threes. Fuck you, take a quake cannon. Now he hits on fives. Um, it's just it, it's too much of a skew army in my opinion. But again, you could choose knight or you can choose titan, and this again you could see that already that changes the game entirely, which then brings me to, like the next thing, which again I don't play like. Well, I play. I want to play one of these. I don't play another one. Right. So that you can, you have to choose your uh, not faction. Uh, I guess faction? allegiance. Allegiance. Thank you. Yeah. You, have to choose, you have to choose your allegiance. You can be a loyalist, scum. Uh, you could be, <laughs> or you could be a black shield. So I play traitor, uh, but I will be playing loyalist eventually. Um, and what this does is. Um, it literally, again, drastically changes the way you play. Now, Legio and Trade. Oh, sorry, you also have Black Shield. So before I even get into that, what the hell is a Black Shield? Because I actually didn't know this. Believe yeah, it or I not, I must, I must. Yeah, I must. So, I have the book. <laughs> so Black Shield, they first dig into it in uh, the Defense of Ryza. Um, if you got your campaign books handy, but basically they are the Titan Legios that don't really pick a side in the war, right? Either they're like, listen, this is between, you know, you Horus lovers, you Emperor lovers, you could figure this out. Like, uh, Legio Zestiobax would probably be classified as a Black Shield. Um, For those who don't know, Zestiobax is um, this Legio painted purple and white. They were at the um, Burning of Prospero, and they were caught off guard. They were just kind of there, and they got attacked by uh, the forces of... The Emperor, I guess you could call them that. Strong word for any space wolf, but, you know. Um, Soldier of the Emperor attacked Prospero because Magnus did nothing wrong, and they have to punish him for it. Um, Legio Zestiobax has strong ties with the Thousand Sons because they also like psychic stuff a little bit. Um, so, you know, they're just chilling on the planet. Um, the um, Space Wolves... The um, custodians and a little bit of Sons of Horus all show up, along with support from the Geo Mortis. And it's like, you know, they're going through, they're taking out the Thousand Sons. And as part of this battle, Zestiobax is there. They get targeted by the Mortis Titans, they fight back. But Zestiobax doesn't really take part in the rest of the heresy. And since they didn't attack loyalists, they didn't attack traitors, they just kind of stayed out of the thing. They would be fall into Black Shield categories. They're just kind of watching out for themselves, right? Or Swords for Hire style. It could be like, listen, if you're willing to give me munitions, I'm going to fight on your side for this battle. Things like that. So kind of piratey, kind of pacifisty, kind of screw everything up, carving out my own empire. Like anything in that range. All right. So then I'm going to ask you a question. Well, I'll ask the question after I say this because I'm actually now kind of really stupid curious. Um, <laughs> 
So um, I know that if you choose loyalist or trade, so we'll get to this a little bit, but, you know, we're going to talk about stratagems later, which basically are, um, they, you know, they pop up during the game, they can modify or help you, whatever, so on and so forth. But I know loyalist and trader get access to the same stratagems, but then they also have loyalist stratagems and trader stratagems. Loyalists have the desperate measures category and traders have the warp uh, category. Um you know, they basically do nasty shit. Do black shields have like a stratagem category or is it just they use the normal rulebook so ones? They, they don't have their own set of stratagems yet, but they do have their own allegiance ability. Um, so for loyalists, you know, once again, they could change their order. Um, I forget the trader one, but the black shield one is that once per game, if you have a titan that's not inside the maniple, and you fail your order, which would normally end your sequence of giving out orders. Mm. One Titan, not inside a maniple, can still get an order because it's a decentralized command. You don't have that rigid oh, hierarchy cool. pushing down on you saying, you know, this is your process. Okay. If you don't follow their instructions, big bad on you. It's, I'm going to do my own thing because, you know, we're all free-spirited and such. Yeah, that's actually cool. Okay. Yeah, I like that. That's um, a nice one. Yeah, that, that's nice. Yeah. Which then brings me to, okay, so you're a loyalist trader Black Shield. Now, you don't have to choose this, but you some pe- most people do. Then you choose your Legio, or if you're a Titan Army, your Titan House, um, but you choose your Legio or your Titan House. So there are benefits and there are co- pros and cons to this. Um, you know, you can choose to just be a plain Legio, and as you heard Steve say, you get a plain ability for loyalist trader or Black Shield. Or you choose one of the Legios. Um, and there are, but I, I don't even think I counted for this. <laughs> I'm not gonna, hold on, wait. Just I have my trader book in front of me here. Give me, uh, but yeah, no, you you choose, and this drastically changes how you play. This this team loyalists. Yeah, I think it's about the same as traders. Might be more. Yeah. Sixteen different trader legions. Yep. And that's not even including the trader. That's not including the trader houses of night houses. I just counted the legions. Sixteen yeah. trader legions. Which is insane. Which again, this sounds weird. People are like, "Oh, it's just Imperium versus Imperium," but there are sixteen traitor legions, and also, hopefully, I think sixteen loyalist legions. Yep. That that's 30. thirty-two, and they and I'm not joking. We will talk about this much later in another episode when we go into like deep depths. But playing a legio will absolutely dramatically, for Christ's sake, uh, what's the stupid legio that only takes warhounds? I don't think they're a traitor. I, th- I want to say they're a loyalist. Audax, yeah. yeah. If you take Legio Audax, oh, they are Tans, yeah. If you take Legio Audax, you don't take any other Titan but Warhounds. <laughs> that's like that's what you play. So it's just cool that it literally will completely change. It's like almost like playing a, a different army. Um, and I mean, when you choose your Legio, you also get access to certain war gear that is specific to your Legio. Maybe a certain strat. Not all have this, by the way. Um, certain stratagem or stratagems that are uh, to your Legio. Um, I know some I have like special abilities. Yeah. 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 So and some some of them don't have like some have no war gear. Some have no stratagems. They just have all war gear or all stratagems. So it's really cool that all of them are modified like that. Um and some change what you're even allowed to bring to a game. Like on top of the restrictions that uh the all Warhound one Audex gets. Yes. Um as a Grafonicus player, I could replace any Warhound or Warlord Titan in a manacle and go, ah, you know what? I want a Reaver there instead. So I could take the normal rules of the spell and say, I'm gonna ignore those, I'll do my own thing. Um which were the ones that got hunted down to all this extinction? 
Legio. Uh, what the all female. That was the all female one, right? Which one? That was the all female one, right? The loyalist. All- no, 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 no. The one that got hunted. Uh, I want to say that was the one that was getting hunted by Mortis and Furion. That's they were all females. Fortis. These are Fortis. Yeah. Um, basically, their rule is they could take any one kind of Titan in a manacle and replace it with another one. And until a recent FAQ, they counted as that one, which was really breaking the way some stuff works. Yeah, it was. Yes. They clarified <laughs> it, polished it, made it less game-breaking. Um, getting free attacks oh. to the Warlord was a little bit much. Yes. <laughs> uh, that was the... But, uh, yeah, arc, like... The, yeah. Yeah. So, what's really cool is that your Legio could really change at greater list. Even yes. beyond just warriors, what models are which, which you also mentioned the word, because then once you choose your Legio or Titan house, you now choose your Maniple. And you're forced to play with a Maniple. It's one of the very few restrictions in Dynamics. You must take a Maniple in your, mm-hmm. in your game. Uh, and then you could add any other support that you want. Um, but even the Maniple itself will modify how you play. So, for example, um, one of my two favorite Maniples of all time... Uh, actually, my first favorite Maniple is Regia Maniple, which is basically oh, the king and queen... Man- yeah, I know, I heard the oh no over here. Uh, Regia <laughs> Maniple is essentially two Warlords and two to four Warhounds. And that's how you can modify it, by the way. That's how it gets modified. Um, and essentially, uh, the two Warlords all of a sudden now have a rule where they can share their, sh- their, share their command. But... The Warhounds, within three inches, can share their shields. We'll talk about this later in gameplay. But essentially, normally you're supposed to share shields within base to base. Now I can share shields within three inches of each other with a Warhound. So it gives them now extra protection, essentially, is what it is. Um, and that's just the region medical. And then my other favorite one is, I want to say it's Arcus. What's the one where the Warbringer uh, gets free shots? Is that the Arcus? Blindfire? Yeah, they get blind fire. I should have said sorry. Yeah, it's that's Arcus. Yeah. That's the Arcus. Yep. And yeah, Arcus. Arcus is one of my favorites because all of a sudden, the Warhounds—it's Warhounds and Warbringers—and the Warbringer doesn't need line of sight to fire. Now you might be saying, "Well, that sucks. It's gonna you know hurt your ability to hit, right?" But this is again goes back to how the Legions kind of change how you play. Legio Furion has a very special ability: War Gear for twenty-five points, which is a lot. But I can ignore up to one negative one while I shoot, so that I can behind behind an entire building. You can't see me, and instead of hitting you on fives, I hit you on fours, which is massive. Anyway, that's just mandibles. I don't know. What are your favorite mandibles, Steve, Dave? I, I love the Ferox. Of course oh, you was, do. Uh, so yeah, I was going to go with yeah. the same. So the idea of the Ferox is it's an up-close, brawling um, manacle. They have this rule called Knife Fighters, which basically says that you could use whatever skill you want when attacking, weapon skill or ballistic skill. Mm-hmm. So you're going to use the better of the two at any range you're fighting at. And if you're fighting up close to your opponent and you're like basically under their shadow, um, you get a bonus to do damage against them. And use my favorite model, the Reaver, along with some Warhounds, but I played Grafonagus, so I just load up on Reaver Titans because I can do that. And I just run up and I mess things up up close. 
And Steve, you also use the, I've seen you use the maniple with all the reavers, the one where they just kind of swiggity swiggity and go any direction they want. I'm trying okay. to remember the damn. Nah, that's the, um, I was just looking at it too. Yeah, I have, yeah. I have that. Uh... Damn it, hold on. Corsair. Corsair, Corsair there it yes. is. You have the book you open to all Corsair? this, just going between pages. Corsair, because I don't need the Corsair to get triple reavers as my maniple. Oh, that's right, because again, you play the lead. And this no. is what we're talking about. See, there we go. <laughs> it, it literally changes the way you play. Uh, Dave, what about you? No, I think it is Ferox. Um, cause the, so I play Volpa. The big thing with them is that when we get close to you, they, they changed it. Now it's within five inches. I forget the exact rule before, but essentially when you were within melee, which um, in the game, you know, essentially is two inches. Um, it was you use your weapon skill goes up by one. So it's one barrier ballistic skill gets worse. So we have better weapon skill. Well, Ferox, again, when you're within your um, distance of how tall you are, you get plus one to it. And you can use either one within two inches. That part doesn't make a difference using ballistic skill or weapon skill within two. But getting the plus one on armor rolls when I'm already there for um, better at hitting always kind of worked well. And plus, it, it worked well for what I own. Um, some of the other ones I like to look up, I just don't have enough Titans for some of the other ones. Um, whenever I actually do get my uh, Warbringer up and running, there's a few that look good with that, but I just don't have that one done yet. Um, I've been very bad about painting some of these things. How dare you? <laughs> As someone yep. who loves the idea of melee fighting on Titans, yep. do you take your Legion-specific war gear, the Disruption Emitter, very often? A new one? I, I didn't like, even see what they changed. No, because before it was like, yeah, that's one of the old ones. They've always had this one. But they might the points. No, I don't think I. I honestly don't think I ever ended up taking the disruption emitter. So usually, what I found, especially when I would run Ferox, what I would do is, um, for pure melee, it would be one of my reavers. Um, for the rest of it would essentially be geared out for fighting, but I would usually take at least a pack or more of Warhounds and Warhounds have no problem getting that close. Even if you're using, you know, a plasma blast gun or anything like that. So if I can get a little bit better results or if you can get close enough and then say you're using a, um, a Vulcan mega bolter plus one on the pen now, um, sorry, on the armor rolls now actually gives me the ability to start chewing through different models but no I, I usually i didn't take much of the war gear i didn't find i had the points for it or the desire like the plasma gargoyles were funny awful but, but awful. funny but they changed the plasma now you have the oh, yeah sure. they don't even Come have on. plasma gargoyles anymore shikarian conduits Did i say that right oh, uh, oh gw shikarian conduits yeah conduits, i would yeah. i would say that's what it is that's I mean, dude, hold on. The Titan, oh. yeah, it increases its yeah. boosted speed by two inches and its boosted maneuver by one. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I like that. I mean, sure, it decreases all the dice value of its weapons without the melee trait by one, but who gives a shit because you're gonna be in melee? So now that Reaver's moving 11 inches, ew, yeah, and ew. that is you're, you're only taking that on the models that you know you're you're better in close combat. Not everything is going to be trying to do close combat. So you only take that on the one that you're actually planning on doing it with. I think that with some of the traitor stratagems means you could actually do a melee warlord where in the yeah, past just gonna say, it was a terrible idea. So this is what I did during the event. I had a melee warlord. Um, 
And I just warp display. I moved him first turn, move, moved. I did the uh, double move. And then I warp mm-hmm. displaced him to charge. But an extra two inches on the Warlord, that's an eight-inch Warlord. That's a 16-inch move. That's... And then I had a Gatling Blaster on him, a Power Fist, and then I, I don't know what the hell I put on the top. Something cheap, because I knew I'd be in close range with Reavers, so it wasn't going to ever get shot. Yeah. But the Gatling Blaster, sure, it gets minus one penalty, right? Which kind of sucked for me, because Furians, within 12 inches, they don't get that ignore minus one. But with you, you just use the stupid, <laughs> you just use your uh, weapon skill. Yep. Which you've, uh, now on them, it's not great, but you've made it one better. Yeah. Not, not bad. And well, you're getting plus minus one. Two. Yeah. You get minus two on the melee trait. Or minus yes. two, sorry, minus two on the uh, ballistic skill, which makes a Warlord five up anyway. Yeah. No, I, and, and depend, you know, the weapon you're swinging with, you know, you swing at the right rep and you're getting some bonuses there. So you're going to be hitting very, very well. You're not going to have a problem hitting them. That's a nice combo. I like that a lot. And, and it helps <sighs> remove the uncertainty of the warp trait because, yeah, with that warp trait, like you said, oh, average is seven. You could roll double ones and go two inches. Now you're not or, doing anything. Or you could fall in the building. <clears throat> I've never done that. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. You could also hurt yourself horribly. So, I mean, getting the extra plus four means that you don't really care the number you roll on that die. Wait, wait, wait exactly. you use that warp jump later. You get a little bit of something that'll be more than enough. Now, what's funny, listeners, is you might be thinking, wow, this is a lot of variation. I'm liking this game. Well, hold your horses because there's – but wait, there's more um, because we haven't even talked about you. strats yet. Now, we're going to talk about strats a little bit later um, when we talk about like you know actual what the strat, different strats are. Not like specifically, but just enough. But just the strats alone will also change how you play. And there's a lot of them. We'll talk about – again, we'll talk about them later. Um, but even well, choosing different strategies – yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. So, I mean, that's what I put. I, you know, I'll skip it. I'll, 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 I'll talk about stratagems. Yeah, so, do it now. Yeah, yeah. So, stratagems come in like different categories. So, you have tricks and tactics, which are your uh, tricks and tactics. These are outflanking, which I know, Dave, that's your favorite with uh, lancers. Yeah. Uh, you have thermal mines. Um, it's uh, much worse now. It's still D3 strength. It's still hey. like, like, it could make a difference yeah. in the game. Nope. I thought Those he lost because he didn't play his at the right time. Yeah, but like D3 strength, 10 hits on a Warhound? Ugh, on a legs? Still the Only strength 8 now. But oh, it still. is only strength 8. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he still strength because he's was a knight arm. Uh, you have range support. So this is your off-board artillery for damage or smoke or orbital lance bombardment. You have your battlefield assets, which are really cool now because since they've been plumped up, because it used to be just bunkers or missile silos, which or like shield silos that help you reroll your shields. But now I think uh, you also get a uh, infantry Titan Hunter yes. infantry, which was a favorite during that um, during the game where he just kept putting his Titan Hunter infantry inside the shield of my my uh, my um, Titans because they were in buildings, but also like on the sides or rears. So that strength four hit now became strength five or strength six, which oh, that's a little more. Um, and, and they cleaned up the rules, which was important because the rules at yes, the beginning were they were not well oh, done, and it was very confusing what no, the intention was. No, yeah, I agree. Um, you have tertiary objectives, which I find super interesting. Um, a lot of people don't like them. I actually do. So tertiary objectives are quite literally stratagem points that you spend on trying to get more victory points, which, which is how you win the game of Titanicus. They're very specific. They're usually very hard to get, and they cost some CP. It's two CP normally. 
Um, some are one CP, but they're again very hard. For example, one of them um, I used to take. One of my favorites was um, it was like Headhunter Decapitation, where yeah. I would get <laughs> because as Furion I can target someone and ignore the minus two. I it only be minus one, so I that's a very good you know. But it's an extra five or ten VP I could remember. Um, but it's only once, and I have to kill the head. And it's very obvious, by the way, when I have it, because then I'm targeting the head, you know what I mean? But it's, I like it. Yeah. Well, they're all five of, of scaling what five VPs looks like, um, a game it could be, is like maybe in a high-scoring game, the winner's going to have like 50 points tops. Yeah. And that's if they load them like up their it. I like to call it Sigmar. It's the Sigmar scoring, not 40k. It doesn't go up to 100. It's yeah. it's basically Sigmar scoring. Um, or to that point like bracket, I should say. primary could get you up to 30. Your secondary yes. could get you 5 or 10. So your tertiary might, if you do really good and take like two of them, bump you to 50. Yes. Um, Tertiaries are good it's for... It's not like, like little yeah. tiny steps either. It's like 5 points, 10 points, 15 points yeah. turned. So the math isn't too hard. But they're good. I like them. And they definitely, like, I feel like they round out. Like, let's say you don't want anything. This is a good way place to get more VP if you feel like you're going to fail on something. Um, also, I mean, <sighs> tertiary objectives are great for, like, rounding out the rulebook uh, missions. I found I use, and someone can agree with me or disagree, Steve or Dave, I found that I start taking tertiary objectives less when I play the open war cards. Because the open war cards, I feel, are more balanced in terms of mission primary objective, secondary objective, and the actual rule book. That's, that's okay. Like, that, with the rule book, I have to Okay. I think the I, I, is with the with the cards, you share a primary where you have different secondaries as opposed to the rule book where they're, it's asymmetrical, which is a very fun way to play the game. The problem is they don't both, they don't scale evenly between the asymmetrical no, no. primaries. So like, that's where um, tertiary engage and destroy scales really nicely as you go up in points but other one like because it's um, every time you kill something you earn points based on how big it is so in a bigger game you have more stuff to kill but then other ones it's like oh yeah if you manage to do this thing in turn one and turn one only you get 15 points congratulations so yeah, yeah. meanwhile yeah, like, a lot of those things they tell you are impossible missions yeah so. exactly so yeah no it's it's tertiary objectives are better for the rulebook, but once you play open word, we'll talk about that later. Um, you have tactical support. Um, this one was kind of weird. I felt like, okay, so it's got everything, but it's more supporty. So it's got the um, smoke that um, range support have, but it's more like supporty smoke, like tracer cloud, which, you know, you place it down and then you can reroll hits, whatever Titan lands in that tracer cloud. Now, before you get all scared of how OP that is, remember, um, stratums are played at the very beginning of the turn. So you place that cloud down, that Titan is most likely going to move out of that cloud. Unless, I don't know, something happens or whatever. Um, but you also have like veteran princeps, you have smoke screens there. These are, these are your supporty stuff. Uh, another favorite of mine, you have experimental warfare stratagems. So these are... <laughs> these modify your weapons, always at some sort of detriment. Um, the person at the event had ah, uh, oh it basically my God, the vortex it was a thing yeah he did no 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 he had the vortex uh, missile which go ahead oh, and explain what I found the, uh no 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 but it was the vortex missile was one of them 
But he also had, hold on, let me see if I can find this stupid thing. Uh, I can't find it. It was basically, it makes your weapons um, get hot on a one, but they become strength plus two. Oh, the, ba- uh, the, the basic. For the, for the plasma um, you're talking about, right? Experimental. Yeah, they, it basically yeah. makes it. And he rolled it for the missile pod. So the missile pod had 10 oh, shots yeah, of strength yeah. six. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> 10 strength um, six shit shot missiles. It was just called experimental warfare? Yeah, it's, it. it's a, a warfare, experimental warfare. Um, it's not, I don't think it's in the main rulebook. I think that's more for loyalist and traitor. It was from the main rulebook. I'm not seeing it. Oh, it is? Oh, okay, then never mind. Yeah. Traitor book is at the very end. Um, and then. This is my actual favorite all time. Love this category. Take it as much as I humanly can. Warp trickery. This is a traitor only uh, stratagem or stratagem category. And <laughs> it's got my favorite one uh, that I've talked about all the time. Warp displacement, which is literally your, your model. Choose a line and your model moves 2d6 in that direction. And hopefully just don't land on titans or don't land in buildings and stuff. Yeah, they also uh, wrote it so that you can't fall off the edge. Yeah. You can't fall off the edge, which is great. That, that didn't used to be in there. So that'd be, oh, we've got some really interesting stuff like, um, art, is it etheric? Etheric, etheric confusion, right? Etheric? Is that how you said? I'm going to say yeah, etheric. etheric. But essentially, um, the player choose one of their titans, roll a d10 on the three plus, immediately make up your repair roll for the titan, adding two to their servitor clade for that roll. Um, on a two, the titan takes d3 devastating hits off the body. On a one, the titan immediately suffers catastrophic damage. So, like I said, they all come with some sort of detriment, but if you roll that three up, a war warlord's rolling six dice for repair, which is... At least... Or yeah, not including other things. Some mutations, some mutations. I didn't even talk about mutations yet. I didn't even mention that. (laughs) Um, Or like localized warstorm. Like there's just a bunch of stuff. And then you have the loyalist version, which is desperate measures. Now I don't own the loyalist book, Um, so go ahead and talk about desperate measures because I have no idea what they are. Yeah, so, lore-wise, the loyalists are on the back foot through the entire war, right? So the desperate measures are basically like, hey, you're in a bad spot. Go do that one last epic thing before you're overrun. Um, so, for example, one of them is called, uh, this is one I really like, Sacrificial Lockup. Um, basically, what happens is you, you're like, hey, fire my coordinates. I'm going to die with taking them with me. You drop a blast marker over one of your models, and everything touched by it gets hit with some high strength hits. When you take D3 strength 10s if it's um, just touching you, or 2D3 strength 10s if it's over you. Um, so it hits hard. Um, there's one where you... There's one where you run away. I feel like there's one where you run away. Um, basically, you can move out of arc at full speed, but I'm struggling to find it in the book. The Long Retreat, yep. Um, you know, because you're you know fighting this losing battle and you're falling back... Um, you don't reduce your speed by half and going outside your front arc. So you can go backwards fast, go sideways fast. Um, EMP discharge, you overload your own shields to knock out your opponent's shields so that maybe one of your allies could get in there and just save the day. Like It's all like, oh no, I'm in trouble. Let me do this one final act. And it's fun. Um, I don't play them because... I'm not a loyalist. I'm hashtag Team Black Shields. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 
there's some cool stuff in there. Oh, that's cool. So those are your strategies. So like, and again, we're still on like just this is how you vary your army. So again, so someone sits says to you, "Oh, it's only imperial versus imperial." It's it's not. It's it's it is yes technically, but the amount of variation that you have in a single game is just absolutely insane. Um, and it's just you can just and it, you can vary even your own legio. You can vary by just taking the different stratagems. I mean, different warlord trade, even we haven't mentioned that, but yeah, no, it's just the, the variation is amazing. Um, and these are all things you do before the game even starts, you know. What so I mean? How, this is how like, many this of these is... cool, cool stratagems do you have? How many have I used, or how many do I oh, have? No, no, and uh, like in the game, you're not good at being led here, Dan. So, in other words, in a game, yeah. how many should I think yeah. that I would end up having? Oh, oh, um, there you go. So, normally in a game, you have five. Um, five SP yeah, yeah, five points to spend. Uh, the more the the most expensive stratagem is a three. The least cheapest is one. I normally only have two stratagems because I usually take a three and a two. That's warp displacement, and then my legio furian stratagem, very specifically. But I've known to drop my legio furian stratagem, keep warp displacement, and then take another take three one pointers. So you'll, I mean, at maximum you'll have five. At minimum you'll have two. Well, okay. So you say five now. Oh, maybe wow. they've changed this, um, but do they still like have? If you, yeah. Do they still have if you do not take a legio that you get uh, two bonus stratagem points? Yes and no. Uh, Steve can explain this one a little bit better because yes, I, I, so, yes, go ahead. It's one of the things that got stealth FAQ'd. So in the original oh. rule book. The way they put it is, if your opponent is running a Titan Legio, for each um, set of Legio rules they use, you get two um, strategy points to spend, right? So mm -hmm. I'm playing Dan, and Dan says, I'm going to use my rules for Legio um, periods, because I think they're really cool, and I like their benefits. I go, okay, cool. Thank you for two strategy points, right? And it's like, by the way, I'm playing Griffonicus. He goes, oh, that's cool. I'll take two strategy points. And then we both end up with two extra points. Because um, they were, when they designed it, apparently, I read that they were thinking that people will go, you know, I think one Titan from here, one Titan from there. A man yeah. must be identical. You know, reinforcement Titans can be different. Um, so they said, okay, okay, okay. We're going to dial it back a little. Now that we have a ton of Legio rules, you don't have too many points out there. Uh, and they made it the difference in the number of Legio rules you had per side. So if I had one and Dan had one, we got zero votes uh, points to spend. So you indirectly gained two by your opponent having one and you having none, essentially. Mm. Um but they revoked that FAQ in their latest updates. Now it's back to the old per legio your opponent runs, you get to. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So at, so at yeah. seventeen fifty, it's three commit it's three CP, but because you're both basically playing legios, it's it five. Goes up to five. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 basically it. Um so you'll have anywhere between two and 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 five. Um, night. Oh, sorry. I should mention if you're playing a night house, yeah, you get, do their own thing entirely. They yeah. do their own I'll thing entirely. This one, because I have to know this one. So you get your, you know, your three CPs for showing up to. Sorry, SPs for showing up to a 1500, 1750. That 
kind of range of games. Then if your opponent's running Titans and has a Legio, you get another two, so you're up to five. But if you're playing Knights, you get another two for having a Seneschal, and then one per high Scion? Basically, you get one per Lance, and then an extra one on top of that for your first boss Lance, where your boss is. But if you upgrade your boss to the higher level boss, you get another one. So to translate that to something that makes more sense, um, if I run a Knight Army, and I have one Lance, and I'm fighting a Titan Army with one Legio, I'm going to have um, three for showing up, two for, one for having a Lance, one for the Lance's boss. Sorry, one for the Lance boss, one for the overall boss, and two for my opponent, putting me at seven. If I upgrade my boss, I'm going to have eight. If I take an extra Lance, I'm going to have nine. And that's pretty much the extent of how far you can go, I think, with how chunky Lance's artifact into lists. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do want to make mention of this before we get to gameplay, um, mm -hmm. because the last variation... It doesn't seem like a variation, but it is. Uh, we're not going to go specifically into each one because, dear God in heaven, there are a lot. Um, weapons. Weapons will absolutely change, again, the way you play. And weapons kind of fall into three different categories. You have your high-strength, low-shot weapons. So these are weapons that kick out uh, armor. So these are your volcano cannons, your melta cannons. If they hit, they hurt. Um, you have your low-strength, high-shot weapons which uh, basically are used to pick out shields. So these are your missile, your bolter weapons. Um, <laughs> I should mention, Steve's going to laugh, that there is strength three. Strength three does not hurt void shields at all. Um, yeah, it's a weird corner. Yeah, I think the, the only strength three I know of. Done. Yeah, I think it's the only strength uh, three in the game, There's though. the Gatling yeah. on the Questorus, and there is the... Um, the Gatling on that one Serasis class. Oh, that's right, but it's the Gatling. It's yeah. the Knight Gatling. The Knight Gatlings. Yeah, okay. They can so. that with certain rules combos, but yeah. At yes. the base it's, level, it's, they can't even knock out shields. And then you have the weird category. I like to call it the weird, because this is the... So they have usually medium shots, medium strength. They're, they're anywhere between like strength 6 to strength 8-ish. Um, this is like the weird category, and this is actually where most of the special rules kind of come in as well. So you have like plasma weapons where they can become strength, they're strength eight, but they become strength 10. But on a roll of one, they get hot, um, increase your void track by one. You have Volkite, which is lower strength, but they automatically generate extra hits on the shield. Uh, you have your laser destructors and blasters, which are strength eight, which is a good strength to be, but you can uh, hurt shields more as long as you roll a, a reactor die. So like, let's say my shields are three up to save. They become four up, which is really good. And then you have like flamers, which are just have their own template rules, which is just auto hits. They just do three auto hits. They're fun. Oh yeah, they're great. So I just want to point out that even by changing your weapons, like if I take a warlord with a volcano cannon, a quake cannon, and a missile launcher, that is extremely different from a from a warlord with a plasma gun, a gatling gun, and a laser blaster on the top. Two completely different units. Definitely. Another thing, too, is you have a kind of subcategory in there of blast-type weapons. Um, oh, yes, yes. Yeah, so the thing with blasts is if you hit your target and, like, so there's an inner ring and an outer ring of the blast, right? If your inner ring is wholly over your target's base, 
that blast counts as hitting it twice because it's in the center of the explosion. Anything else under the blast is hit once. Um, but the downside is they can't target specific locations. This is something we'll get into a little more later, but basically different locations are easier, harder to damage, existing damage is there. Some weapons just don't have the accuracy to pick out a target spot, like the volcano can. It does amazing wholesale damage. It hits, it messes something up. But the problem is it's not good for finishing off a target because it can't target what's already damaged. Exactly. Melee weapons always pick what they hit, and it makes them amazing. Yes, it does. Um, but that's that's literally like the pre not pre-game, but that's your pre-building army. Also, like pre-game, I guess stuff that you do. Um, it seems like a lot. It really isn't. I know. Like, <laughs> I feel like we just talked for like twenty, thirty minutes well, on like everything you do before the game. But it's it's it, like a lot of it is list building. A lot of that is, yeah. it, most of that is all in your list building, except for your stratagems, essentially. So just like any yeah. other war game you may play, you've made a lot of decisions before you came to the table. And the better you know a game, the less overwhelming those decisions sound. Think of any game you've ever played. When you first sit down, the, the amount of choice or options does absolutely feel overwhelming. When you learn it, then you know what you're doing. Exactly. So it sounds like a lot for whoever's listening, but again, the, the, this is the list building part of it, which yeah. let's be honest, who, you know, sit for hours on the, the battle scribe planning <laughs> out shit. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll do a separate episode at some point more about yeah. pure list yes, building. What have, does yes. that mean? How to go through that process? And yes. as always, magnets did nothing wrong. Yes, please, please. We mentioned this. We said this in the first episode, but I'm going to say this now. Five by one, or some are five by two. Five by one magnets. Warlords use five by twos. Reavers and all of that, that bit smaller, you you usually get away with a little bit more five by ones. And um, some weapons, even on like the Reavers, there's there's tons of tutorials out there of how to magnetize Reavers. My Reavers are fully magnetized. Not all their weapons come base magnetizable. Um, like the the power fist and all, you essentially have to sink a magnet in in its shoulder joint and then put a magnet in the end where it actually connects to. Um, I'll I'll see if I can find a few of the ones I used to use and link them in uh in in some notes on the show and all. And if not, I mean, th- there's yeah, a lot of research out there, but the big thing is magnetizing so stuff. Some of it, though, I will say when you're looking at um, especially for Reaver weapons. The Reaver is not as magnetizable as all the others. So for the Reaver, for a few of the weapons, like, um, mm, trying to remember which ones off the top of my head, but a few of its weapons, you actually have to put the magnet inside before you glue the weapon together if you really want to do it well. Um, like for it, um, so it's I, like little, um, I think for its it's a little it's turbo laser gun. I think oh, that's the laser laser laser. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, tur- yeah. yeah. So for those, good. for those. For those, it doesn't look weird. So um, you use a five by one magnet. It's you know how it has like I'm gonna say it has a hook. It, it's not a hook, but it's like the gun has that little tray area. It doesn't have a sunken in hole. You can actually just kind of scrape up that area, put a magnet there. You don't have to drill anything. Glue it down, and it works perfectly. I mean, the arm is what, what would it be a millimeter small lower than it normally is, but it actually does work. Like you can literally just shove a magnet in that slot, um, even though it's not sunken in, and it still works 100. percent 
it does i just don't like my magnets to show so like with this gatling blaster before i, I assembled see. the gatling blaster had it in two pieces what i did was i i took the magnet i wanted in there i used um actually usually use a bit of tin foil actually you could use green stuff if you have it um i find for certain things like this where the object is hanging fully down that sometimes putting them on a green stuff i need in adds too much weight so what i do is i ball up a little tin foil i put that in as the base the magnet pretty much sits on that and it sits and then i'll glue it so that way it actually will touch the inside of the case because all this is inside of it but the tin foil is there to make sure that if the magnet were to start weakening on its holding point it actually can't go anywhere so it adds almost no weight and it gives a good connection point to it oh okay that that, yeah. that actually sounds pretty damn cool okay mm -hmm. okay and i've been all magnetizing right, stuff for a super long time so yeah. All right. I think I think we get to the meat of it. I think we we talk about the meats. Okay. Let's right. let's do it. Gameplay. So mm -hmm. I know we mentioned gameplay before in the first episode, but now we're actually gonna go into the depth, like how you actually play the game. Yeah. Um, um and this is assuming you've done your lists, your warlord traits, everything. Realize that during the gameplay, some of this might change, either because of your warlord traits or your strats, but other than that. This is how the game is played. So the first phase of the game um, is usually my, it's actually my favorite, believe it or not, because it's all alter alternating, is the initiative phase. So basically, um, each player rolls a d10, and whoever has higher gets the, he can choose. Yeah, it's a choice in this has, game. Yeah, it's, it's, you get to choose, which you might always be like, why don't I just go first? Sometimes you don't want to go first. Sometimes it actually makes sense to go second. Um, you choose who gets to go first in every phase thereafter. Um, I shall mention that in turn one, um, the person who finishes setting up first gets to roll a d10, and the other player gets to roll a d6. So there's more of an incentive to finish setting up first. Um, and, and to... Just because there's a variety of games out there, um, to clarify that other point a little bit, you are choosing who goes first, and that will, choice will stay the whole game. It is not a choice per per phase. Whatever you choose goes first, stays first. Well, yeah, for the for the, the turn, yep. yeah, for, for the, the turn, yeah, yeah, it's a game. Well, yeah, yeah, by the round, because the way you said it. it potentially could have been the other way but they don't allow for that amount of um oh i see what yeah, so yeah it's per so there's four rounds per the game five rounds if you're lucky um i think there could be a six round as well but it's yes, very hard to get to um but every round there is a new uh, possibly a new first player um after your roll initiative it's the strat phase um which funny enough Mr. Steven has actually told me that this actually does come before orders. Um, I did that. not know this. So that's yeah. that's why I love that's why I love having so so I'll get to so the strat phase is where you play your strats. Steve, Mostly, why is yeah. the strat phase why well yeah 90% of them usually. Um why is the strat phase before the command phase? And I remember asking you this and you gave me a very good answer. Well, one of the really big reasons is because stratagems can change how you get orders, or if you play the box blackout stratagem, it just ends the phase and you don't get to have orders. Yep. I didn't realize. I thought it was played at the same time, but apparently no. 
Okay, so, and you do go back and forth. Again, with every so, one of these turns, you go so alternate. I play a strat, you play a strat. I yes. play a strat, you play a strat. And things, um, not every strat is, I'm going to activate this card and do a crazy thing. Some of them, um, for example, in, the, in this part of the phase, is when your defense emplacements attack. If you bought, like, um, Apocalypse Missile Strong Points as one of your stratagems. So I guess it is a strategy, but it's not. So it also changes up the order of play a little bit because you're attacking outside of the usual attack sequences before your opponent gets to repair things. Um, and you also could repair things in this phase too. Um, well, not in the strat phase, but later on. Um, yeah, stratagems. Um, no, no, there are stratagems yeah. that let you repair. Yeah, there are so stratagems that let you repair. So yeah, no. It, earlier, yeah. Yeah. So this is the like so. This is where you play your strats. And I said 90% of your strats. Some strats, like, for example, the Legio Furion one, is played during the shooting, the combat phase. So there are some strats that don't get played during this phase, but a good portion do. And then you have the command phase. Um, Steve, go ahead, or Dave, which if you want to take this one. Um, yeah, I can go, I'll go through command phase. I'm actually fine with that. All right, so... For a command phase, again, the game is back and forth. So in this, whoever ends up being the first player is going to choose a if they wish to issue any commands to their Titans. A few things to realize. One, you don't actually have to issue any commands. So you can choose to skip it or anything like that. The other thing is in this back and forth, if you ever decide that you are done issuing orders to Titans, then you cannot issue any more after that. So you can't wait to see what your opponent does or do one, see if they get something else, then try one later. Essentially, when it's your turn, you either issue an order or you're done with your orders. So I'll um, discuss the orders in a second, but essentially for... Actually, no, we'll go through the orders first. So for the orders that you can give, charge. So you choose one of them. Um, as it says, you give it the order to move, and then if it gets close enough, it can either do a melee attack or it can essentially shoulder check one of the Titans. Actually, someone wants to take it for one second. Let me get my thing with the orders on it so that way I can actually go through them because there's downsides to each of while these as well. You know, absolutely. And actually, while you're getting your book, I will also mention that if you fail in order as well, you get um, done. You're done. You, you cannot issue an order now. This goes back all the way to the beginning of the podcast when we said maniples do change your stuff. One of the very first maniples that everyone sees is the Axiom maniple. This is your... It is God, this the is the most general... Yeah, this is the most general maniple of all. It, it has a warlord, it has a reaver, it has a warhound, it's got everything. I even think it has a knight position too as well. And the Axiom maniple is quite literally... If you fail an order, you can keep issuing orders. So it, it's the most very basic of the animals. Yes, very forgiving. But just realize if you fail, um, you be done. Yeah. <laughs> and going back to think about, you know, drawing a first or second in any given turn, this is where you really have a big advantage in going second. Because you go, oh, you know, my opponent over there is, is going to first fire. Well, in that case, I'm going to respond by doing a charge or, you know, whatever sequencing of events you want to happen, you could kind of dictate what your opponent does when, if you could react to them in the command phase with your orders. The number of times I've psyched the opponent out by issuing a charge order I don't intend on actually charging with, too many times. Um, I've made my opponent play defensive and cagey with a Warhound um, squadron, 
It's like, oh, no, that's a reaver over there. He's got a power fist. He's on charge orders. I'm going to hang back for a turn. And I didn't even charge. I sat where I was because the drawback of the charge is it restricts the way you can move. But you can still fight normally. You have, fight to, you have to move in a straight line or move yeah. within the arc of a straight line. That, that'll it's be different between knights and titans because knights got a little abusive if you wanted to be a rules lawyer. They fixed yeah. it. No, they, no, they, yeah. All right, so so, right, so, so we'll oh, go, sorry, we'll David, that, no, it's, yeah, yeah. I pulled out the book, and I know a little of this is FAQ'd, especially under the charge. So we'll make sure we throw that in there. So for charge, as it says, in the movement phase, a unit acting under charge order can only move within its front arc. So if you're a Titan, you have your arcs, you move in front arc, and once it starts moving, it cannot make any turns. However, once it finishes moving, it can immediately make a smash attack, which is essentially where you hit it with your body, not a particular weapon, or you can attack with a melee weapon. Um, you get now. I, I, this I know. I think is different from the way they they've changed it. So you get one to the attack's die value for each three full inches the model moved before attacking. Is what no, is it they changed the it to? Is that the same? Oh, because so, they so, changed it for knights because knights yeah, used to have it. Knights. Yes, it's, it's yeah, knights no, that got the problem. So the KG one, or not the KG, the the what's the word I'm looking for? The Rose that player? guy. Rules yeah. lawyer problem was that knights thought because they had a 360 uh, line of sight on their base because mm -hmm. they could you know knights don't have an arc technically yeah. so they want to charge their charge. front arc is a full 360 degree it's a full 360 but what what people thought which is wrong you is that I did, place, exactly build up momentum and then just yeah so, they're actually so going you, yeah it's it, it's really weird or my favorite was that they could move five then move six in another direction, then move one. Because technically, since that's all of their front base, they can angle they can they can angle they can their charge. Charge back and get exactly. No, knights have to charge in a straight line. You cannot a single straight single. line. Yes, single yeah. straight Which line. Which means they can't go um, around corners. So if they're hiding one turn, they can't pound to the charge unless they're doing it yes. after their quarry comes around the corner. Yes, exactly. Uh, the other thing was the attacking thing. So knights yeah. still get one attack per three inches. That's fine. Knights, it used to people used to think that each individual knight gets an additional attack per three inches. It's not that people used to think that. The rule was written in a, yes. in a particular way. The, the problem is they wrote the rule that they could, and then later they, they realized game, it was a problem. Exactly. Yeah. So it's basically you add an attack to the unit uh, per every three inches. So the way this works is, um, like, let's say, honestly, if the knight's all in the front arc, then no problem. Just add, like, if they each get two attacks and there's three knights, that's six attacks. And let's say they move six inches, that's plus one, plus one. So that's eight attacks, done. Um, which, where it gets really pesky, but it's still easy to work out, is let's say you have one knight on the side and two in the front. So that's four attacks in the front, two in the side, and you can assign those two extra dice of the charge to whoever you want. So you can actually toss that on the side if you will, if you want to. So you get a four on the side, four in the front. Um, there's like a pool of dice essentially, um, but that's essentially how they changed it, or they yeah. fact it, I guess. Be the, but yeah, that's, that's clarify that a titan can turn before a charge as much as it wants, but once it starts moving, it can't. Yes, you can't um, turn. You can't charge. You read, oh, you can't turn. Oh no, I have to already be lined up. But you could turn at the start, and titans can still zigzag. Um, but it's yes. gotta be the fun. So I did talk yeah. about this in the movement phase, but be, I know we're in the command phase. But I just want people kind of. This is one of the biggest mistakes people do in Titanicus when they first start, is they think Titans can only move forward. Um, titans have a front arc of 
45 degrees? 45 off the center, so 90. Yeah, so 90 off the center, yeah. So, but like if you have, you'll have a movement tool that comes with the starter box. If you put that in the front of your base, you can, it's almost like, I, the way I imagine it is like old Battletech torso twisting, where it's, you're not moving only forward. You can move within that 45 degree forward. So it's almost like your body's facing forward, but your legs are rotating in that 45 degree angle to the side. Once you start moving outside of that arc, that's where your movement gets, you know, cut or halved, unless you're in another maniple. Um, but you can move freely within that front arc. So it's like a, you, you can wiggle within that front arc. I and, like to move on my diagonals a lot because it gives me the speed without sacrificing my facing. Yeah. So yeah, that's definitely something that people don't always click with. Yeah. It, it's it's kind of hard to, once you get it, it makes sense. It, it, it's, it's, again, imagine your Titan is torso twisting. It's the nicest way to eat. It's the easiest way to think of. All right. So. Next order, then, uh, that we have here. First fire. So it says when a unit is acting in first fire order in the movement phase, so it doesn't move or make turns, so it stays still, but instead it picks one of its weapons and it attacks it with its full profile. Um, as this is always note that the attacking weapon must be declared before selecting a target. It does not prevent you from using that weapon in the combat phase. So you can pick one of your weapons, and instead of moving, you get to fire it in the movement phase. And again, if you had the initiative, then you could actually fire before your opponent can react to you doing anything. Exactly. And the down turn is you can't move. I do want to point out the no turn thing. Technically, you can turn if you have a warlord trait. Um, and then again, this goes into the variance of the game. There's a specific warlord trait that allows your princeps to do one 45 degree turn before he does an attack. Since this does count as an attack, Technically, he can turn 45 be doing the, before doing the first fire, but that's, I think, the only time this book this comes up. I, I, I literally think... Yes, if you push your reactor, roll critical, lose control of your Titan, yes. maybe you could turn, but then also your attack ends. So that's yeah, like, so yeah, exactly. That, that's that's got to really be hard, but yeah, no. It, yeah. yeah. I, I would say, I would say in that, you wouldn't even... Oh, yeah. I guess for the weapon you push your reactor, it could go bad. Yeah, Bellicosa, yeah. for example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a, such an odd fringe. But again, these are two very odd fringe examples. Yep. So just pointing that out. All right. So, yeah, um, first so, fire is nice. Yeah. Yep. Emergency <laughs> repairs. As soon as the issue, order is issued, you can make a repair roll. You add one to each of the results on your dice. And if you've been giving that, um, if it's activating the movement phase, then it cannot activate in subsequent com uh, combat phase. So essentially, you can repair them immediately. You get a plus one on all the die rolls, but you either move in the movement phase or you sh or you attack in the combat phase. You cannot do both, and you do get to choose which. So you could, at least if you wanted, you could delay that particular Titan going towards the end of the movement phase to decide whether or not which one you really needed to do. Okay, yeah. All right. Uh, I should point out. Good. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, right. We'll talk more about this in the repair phase. But if your Titan is in the orange, bad stuff can happen. So this yep. is a good way to prevent that from happening. This and we'll talk about that more. Down. Exactly. Yeah. Or so if we'll it's talk about that later. It's even more important <laughs> there. Right. Split Next fire. Door. So, um, your Titans have a variety of guns. Unless you have split fire order, every gun goes at the same thing. Split fire lets you, now it says a unit 
acting under split fire orders cannot make any turns in the movement phase. But we already talked about this idea of when you're moving your front arc, there is actually a lot of movement. It's not necessarily a straight line. Same sort of facing, but you get a lot of variety there. And you go sideways here too. That is true, actually. Yeah, you um, could just go purely turn. sideways. You can't side shuffle at half speed or back up or whatever you have to do. You just can't you know, move sideways at halfway. Exactly. Yeah. It says, however, in the select the target step of the combat phase, a different target can be declared for each of the unit's weapons. I, I like the idea of this one. I find I rarely have ever used it because you, do, you still have to declare all of your attacks before you actually start attacking with that Titan. So you kind of mm -hmm. have to know that you're going to get something to happen. No, no, you attack per weapon. So you declare attack with a weapon, finish that weapon, then you declare attack with another weapon, then finish that weapon. You don't have to declare. Is, so you don't no, declare, no, no, you declare one weapon at a time. I yes. So I declare the Titan, but then the weapon happens one at a time. So hmm. the way I use split fire, I've been actually using it more and more, only because I've gotten been getting a little bit. I used it with my warlord. I'm so if I know. Yeah, I don't think what? that's right. Combat sequence step one is select target. Step two is declare a weapon. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you're right on that. Split fire allows you to choose multiple yeah, targets for that weapon. But it breaks but it for the titan. But that doesn't mean you're choosing one after another. It means I think it's, I can I'm fire this shoot, gun here, that gun there. This one, this one, that weapon, that weapon, that weapon, and then you resolve it. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't agree with you, Dan. I think it's literally you choose. I'm going to ch target this titan and this titan all right i'm going to choose the yes. plasma gun it is going to choose at this titan you finish and then that you choose the other ready. guns i don't think so we'll come back to this where's my any my rule book on this one i i oh. think they either facted or they they change i, I feel like split fire is you can if actually, it's different okay. then they must have then uh, to me that would have been a fact because I don't think the base rules allow you to do that. I gotta look up the combat phase. I need my I need my rule book. <laughs> look up the FAQ while we're talking about this. I'll yeah, let me give me a second. Right. Um, but yeah, go ahead. go to the next one. Yeah, yeah, go, go take a look at that. We'll talk about full stride. So, um, full stride is your order. Doesn't let you attack in the combat phase. Instead, when you activate that particular uh, model or unit, there's a chance that units you can move a, a number of inches up to your speed. Has to be made in your front arc. Cannot make any turns before, during, or after this move, and the move must be made in a single straight line. So essentially, you can move in the combat phase as well. So this is how you get your titans that need to be closer, or at least out uh, into cover, to be able to move them more. Very useful, actually, especially like um, playing Volpa and something like that when you look at your reavers and things like that to actually be able to get them upfield or if you happen to have say a warhound that you really need to get closer because a lot of not all the weapons but a, a good amount of the uh, warhound weapons that i like need to get closer so a lot of times say the first turn their whole goal is just to start running up the board usually trying to be in cover and all or not be seen but running up um while dan finishes uh, so did you find it no i got so here's the weird in typical FAQ fashion, it's okay. the replaced following sentences and stuff. So, uh, hold on. Page 33, combat sequence summary box out. Add the following to the end of step six. You wish to attack with? I don't, um, that's probably not going to do anything. The combat sequence. The second paragraph should read, when a unit is activated, it may attack with all of its weapons following these steps. I don't know if that changes anything. That's the same. So they added that little bit, but that was it. 
They just added the that you wish. Yeah. So I think you have to declare the weapons first. Yeah. Awesome. Step one is select target. Select two is declare weapons. Declare between these weapons will attack. A weapon's not been disabled. Or sorry, disabled cannot make attacks. In my mind, if you're declaring the attacks, but you have more targets. Well, then, step one is what? select target, right? Yeah, select your targets. Okay. And is two, you choose an attacking weapon, then you go through that process. But in my mind. So that's, I'm right. Yeah. What? No? You, go ahead. Go ahead. The, the reason I have an issue with that is because what they're changing is the way that you enact step one, that you're allowed to make more than a choice. Um, different terms for each of the unit's weapons. I I would need something that tells me the that you can do it otherwise because... I would go to show by rule of thumb where you always play an ambiguous rule the way that least benefits yourself. Yeah. So I always yeah. allocate so what the way where and then go with whatever my results are is what I'm stuck with. Well, so the way I understood it, because I'm reading the step by steps, I have the book for me, is step one, select target. Okay? You selected I don't know, this warlord, right? Step two, shoot a weapon. Not shoot all the weapons, select a weapon. So I'm shooting a plasma gun. Finish the plasma gun shots, and then you go back to step one. Select a target. If you're not under split fire, then you must select the same target. But if you're under split fire, you can now select a different target, select another weapon, do that weapon. Because the, the steps repeat itself. Does that make sense? So it's, it's select a target, fire a weapon, and then rinse and repeat. Right? Am I stupid? Am I reading this wrong? I'm reading it as you combine step one with a little bit of step two and you just allocate weapons to multiple things. I think they're two different. So this is the, this is, oh, I hate bringing this up. This is, where I hate, this is where I bring up 40K. This is much better worded than 40K, in my opinion. This is why I'm thinking the split fire works the way I do it, because in 40K, you'd be completely right, Steve, that the two rules are, are combined in 40K, which leads to a bunch of problems. I think that this book does a very good job of differentiating step one and step two. Is Step one, you select a target. Step two is you fire said weapon and finish it. If you're oh, not under split, split fire, fire... overrides that base. It's, it's not that it overrides it. Is it allows you in step one, instead of choosing the same target over and over, over again in step one, it allows you to go back to step one and be like, all right, instead of shooting this warhound, I'm going to shoot this warlord instead. You, you've made the choices That's already the by the choice. time... You've already made the choices in step one. When you repeat your cycle, you only you only repeat steps two to five. You don't repeat step one. I don't think that necessarily changes this particular discussion, but you've you had to have declared yours in the very beginning. You've declared them and then you start shooting. So then it'd be this is gonna be the weird part. So then what would I do? I'm selecting to target this warhound and this warlord. Then and you choose a weapon, finish it, then you choose another weapon, finish it, then you choose another weapon, finish it. It doesn't change the end result. It just changes weirdly how it's phrased. Does that make sense? Did I, did I, say, I don't know if I said that correctly. So like in step one, if you don't ever go back to step one, what split fire allows you to do is say, I'm going to target X, Y, and Z. Then you move to step two, select one weapon, finish that weapon, go back to step two, select another weapon. It may target one of those three targets. You were not able to select any of those targets if you didn't do split fire. Right? My, that? The problem is you declare it for each weapon. 
You're not declaring targets and allocating weapons. You're declaring targets for the weapon. Yes, it's individual. It's a completely different step. That's how that's I, that's how I understood split fire to be. Otherwise, it's I would dare say split fire is almost completely useless because you literally cannot have foresight. The idea of split well, fire the thing is, is you do it when you yeah. activate the titans. When you allocate it, so go okay. Yeah. Well, this one has no shields, so I'm going to do my big cannon of doom on that. But that one has shields, so I guess my bolter that can't hurt this will go over there. That still has uses. I've used it um, a couple times, and it actually works decently. I I would come back to this discussion, but yeah, I, I dare I, say I'm right on this one. Only because the way we don't work. always get right. I just no, read yeah. full stride, and I. I haven't gotten this wrong. In the movement phase, you move totally normally. It's your second move that has the restrictions on it. Yeah. Unless they fix yes. it. No, no, it's the second I move. I did yeah. not realize that. Oh, there we go. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm of two so minds much. of this. I do see how you're reading that, Dan. And, and yeah. I, I believe there's some support of that. But I would like to see them actually say that, yeah, you know, you can totally swap out as you go along. Because that's not so how only, I understood any exactly. of it. And maybe that's because normally, since you're only choosing one Titan, it literally has never mattered. And this is the, the one is only time games. it matters. But the only, um, for the anyone... Is I, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was gonna say the, only, the problem is I play other game systems, and I know how convoluted the shooting phase can be. And compared to other game systems, I feel like this one is more directly worded that you can actually select multiple targets before you fire versus something like 40K, which is... It's 40k. Um, but the other reason I bring this up is because um, I, the, the the YouTube guys that I watch, um, they're really big into Titanicism. Now I'm literally forgetting their their name. Christ on a stick. Uh, Tabletop Titans? No, 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 no. That's not them. That's 40k. No, they're, they're I want to say they're British. They're not actually British. Um, but they play it the same way I do, which is why I thought, which I know YouTube's not the best example of, you know. <laughs> Rules correct. Yeah, yeah. I, I've shared my thoughts in private with you on that once or twice. Yeah, exactly. But they're pretty, like, big on Titanic. Uh, Tabletop Standard, by the way, is their name. Tabletop Standard. Okay. Yes. Um, Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. But they've done it that way. Because to me, it just makes sense. I don't know. But anyway, let, let me not I'm... keep talking about this. Yeah, go ahead. I'm coming around a little bit more to your way of thinking, but I would like to see something more official that says one way or yes. the other. Yes, um, I agree. And if anyone, anyone listening or anything like that, I'll obviously put a, a post about this under the Reddit for Titanicus, which is a great resource, honestly. Um, and in there, I'm going to put in what way do people play it? Is there a, a good consensus? Because I even went back to the original GW article and they kind of just like, hey, let's just split some weapons. It would have been nice if they had said a little more than that. Articles on GW are never worth reading though, because they get everything wrong every time. That's true as well. If you want a rules resource, do not use Warhammer Community. Um, (laughs) Go anywhere else. I'll point out, uh, they they got a bunch of the custodians rules wrong. Anyway, yeah, no. (laughs) Um, One last order then. And I know know in, in the notes, Dan put, why would you do this order? Um, It's not necessarily you doing the order i would think oh, yeah, in this particular so one it gets inflicted on you more often than you yeah, yeah. So, but so you can't the, do it not you can. so this is a shutdown order <laughs> if you know what void shields is issue shutdown orders you collapse all your void shields if you're under the shutdown order you cannot be active in the movement phase or the combat phase 
Reactorals cannot be made for a unit with shutdown orders, even if you're told to do so. Shutdown orders are not automatically removed in the end phase. So at the end of the round, all of your orders come off unless it was shutdown order. And there's certain ones for, for knights as well. Uh, you know, they can get a, essentially a shaken order. Um, a unit that has shutdown orders at the end of the battle counts as destroyed. So if you're not up and running, you might as well just be dead at the end. Um, when activating a Titan under shutdown orders in the damage control phase, you reduce your reactor level by two before you repair it. Um, as mentioned, this is not an order you want to give yourself. Um, the, maybe if you're in red and you really yeah. want to keep your model alive, that's the and you're out of line of sight and no one's going to yeah. see you. Yeah, if you have like a little warhound in the shields, back, you might not even react to the following phase unless you yeah. have some cool trick up your sleeve that's you change your orders, like a stratagem or leave you a rule. Yeah, it's mm. it's a bad spot to be. Yeah, uh, there's. Now, I think there's two ways you could end up in this involuntarily. There's the sabotage strategy where yep. you randomly issue an order by rolling the order dice, and whatever result you roll is what the target gets. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a one in six chance of shutting down with that. And then there is the Natrix Shocklands, which is a cool bit of esoteric war gear from Forge World for the Warhound. And mm -hmm. it has a chance to issue shutdown. But that shutdown is only for that game turn. It automatically goes away, unlike the base level order. Um, am I missing any other ways that could happen? I thought there was a stratagem that issues a shutdown. Not a random roll, but I, I could be wrong on that. It's been a little bit since I've looked at them, because there's a lot of stratagems. We're going to spend, like, yeah. honestly, it's going to be more than one episode just to talk about stratagems, because there's so fucking many of these things. But I thought there was a stratagem that actually issued a shutdown order to someone. I think you had to like succeed on a die roll, but it wasn't a random roll of order. It was succeed on the die roll and you give them a shutdown. But I, I could be wrong on that. It's possible. It's definitely possible because honestly, there's a point where I was like, there's a lot of stratagem. You're going to find the three that I like in each book and remember those and kind of yep. push the others to the side. Okay. So I'm using one of the beautiful apps that are out there for the game that has all the. Um, Stratagems. There are 163 in total throughout the game. Some are duplicates because yeah. knights have their own versions of the basic things for whatever reason. But yeah, across the game, there's 163. Don't worry, it's not reactionary. If you find five you like and just stick to those five, it's not going to be to your detriment. Yes. Find, find the ones that you enjoy. Don't worry about the rest. It's absolutely fine. Because some of those stratagems also, when they're listening, are you know, legio specific stratagem. So you yes. won't even necessarily have that many choice, but you still have a choice of like, if that's the number, you probably still have a choice of like near a hundred of these things. Yeah. yeah. But if you take, if you take out the legio and uh, allegiance specific ones, so take out loyal, take out trader, there's still like 83. Yeah. Which is a lot. Yeah. That's so many stratagems. But, um, so in order to issue, one of these uh, orders that you're attempting to do, you roll a die versus your command value. You hit the number or better, you succeed. If you miss it, so if you fail, one, the order doesn't go off, so you don't get whatever cool thing you're trying to do. And two, you're done with orders. Orders are you either succeed or you cannot even attempt to issue any more after that. Now, again, there's certain things that break these rules, but on the base rules, at that point, you're done. Um, 
if it's your princeps doing it, they get, is it a plus two? It's a plus two, but I think that's supposed to base command value, right? Or is it for orders? I might be getting that wrong. Um, I think it's, I think it's actually to command value, but about the only time you really need it is for orders. We're going crazy. That is true. Yeah. Oh yeah. You get it for, you get it when you're trying to go crazy as well. Yeah. So yeah. If you're trying to keep yourself under control or do your orders, um, essentially the bigger the titan the easier it is to do orders on it so the smaller titans have a more of a hard time if you have them in terms of units because warhounds can be units then they can get their their command value can be essentially um, when you have more titans it'll get a little bit better for them but yeah, so the bigger you are the easier it is yeah the, each additional titan getting the same order gives a plus one bonus for the squadrons as long as so you're in a normally squad. that's up to a plus two on Warhounds if you have all three going on one order. Yeah. Which is helpful. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Basically, the order's difficulty is related to the stubbornness of the Titans. Basically, like, their, their animus, <laughs> their spirit, the right? Spirit, yeah. So, um, Warhounds, they're, 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 the, they're, they're the hounds, right? They are savage animals. And they want to just get into grips and do their thing. So they're kind of hard to control despite being the smaller titans, whereas a warlord is like a refined duke of the battlefield and it. Drinking tea. Exactly. <laughs> like, they're, they're in the cockpit just drinking their tea. Well, I say, old chap. Like, they're, they're refined. They are strong wills, but the princeps in them have even stronger wills. And then even some stratagems change what your um, man rating is. Uh, yes. Think of veteran princeps, you improve your ability to control because your princeps yep. is a veteran. But if you have a great crusade titan, they've developed their own, um, you know, they've developed their spirit more. Their AI, it's not AI, that would be heresy. Their uh, machine spirit has a personality. It knows what it wants to do. And it's going to disregard the princeps' orders because it's like, listen, I've been on this crusade. I'm a titan from the old days. Let me do my thing. I know what to do. Um, and then I think the trade-off is if it goes crazy, it always does charge orders or something like that. Like whatever it is, like it's cool stuff. Yeah. But that's yeah, that's just the command phase. And as you can see, it's it's it's, it's again very not complex, but it does have depth to it. What, what is it? It's it's a calm ocean. It's a it's a good nice calm service, but it's deep as hell. Um, Honestly, of course. Most of the time I don't even take orders unless it like chain is like yeah. I need this thing to happen. Exactly. Not it's not order because you're the most yeah. flexible gameplay. So if you're like, oh, orders are too much, you could just they limit you exactly, which is good gameplay. Like for my it's demo games, game I always start by playing no orders. You're just moving your titans and fighting with them as normal. Yeah. And it's like, hey, you want to you know save yourself there? Well, I got good news for you. There's an order for that. Um, what's an order? That was just command. It's a movement phase. Movement phase is again, it's a very simple phase, but it's a lot of depth to it. So the movement phase is very simple. You move your Titans back and forth. I move my Titan, you move your Titan, I move my Titan, you move your Titan, so on and so forth. Um, there's two interactions with this phase. Um, you can push to move, you can push the reactor of the Titan to move farther, or, and or, sorry, and or, you can push your Titan to maneuver, so to, to have more turns. So a good example of this one, let's use the Warhound, for example. Warhound moves eight inches, but you can push the Warhound to move 12 inches, 
you know? A Warhound has four turns. Oh, sorry. Whoa. Has three. Wait, three base. Three turns. Three turns. Moves up to five. Uh, but you can push it to have more turns, so on and so forth. The detriment to this is that you have to roll a reactor dice. I know we mentioned this before, but now we're going to talk about it. Um, oh, and I should say, you can move within the arc. We mentioned this before, too. You move within the arc of your 45 first degree angle. So, your reactor dice is what gives this game a little bit of the randomness, and it's actually kind of fun. So, the reactor die um, essentially has one blank side, one machine spirit side, on. I gotta do math here. One blank, one machine <laughs> spirit, uh, two single heat, one double heat. Yep. Right? And so yep. you have a heat track on your Titan. Um, and you know, so if you roll blank, congratulations, it's basically what we call three heat. Uh, if you roll one heat, you move it up by one. If you roll two heat, you move it up by two. If you roll the machine spirit, it's still a heat, so you just still increase track by one, but you have to take an immediate command check. If you pass, congratulations, it's just a heat. If you fail, you have to roll on a chart. And this chart is various. Um, some of it makes you, it forces your Titan forces. This is not something you choose. It forces you to move your Titan forward. Uh, sometimes it makes you fire a weapon at the nearest enemy. Don't worry, not your friends. Sometimes it's just you sit there making an immediate repair roll because your Titan is super scared. Uh, so basically, it kind of, if you fail the command check, it could hurt you. Because you're not doing anything. Now, I will mention, since we talk about variants, certain legios and maniples completely fuck with the movement phase. So, my legio, for example, especially with reactor dies, sucks. <laughs> because I roll a machine spirit check, not just on a machine spirit, but on a blank die as well. So instead of it being one in six chance, it's every one in third chance. Which is not great. <laughs> that ain't nothing free. Um, no, yeah, nothing's free for that. Uh, and then I know that the uh, Corsair Maniple, for example, since in the movement phase, a uh, Corsair Maniple um, is, has the ability to tab their Titans, move full distance backwards or sideways. They're just, they're just... They're just dancing all over the place. They're dancing all over the place. So there is, again, this goes into the variance, but that's your movement phase. The reason I say it's you know easy to learn but complex is this whole game is about movement uh there are arcs and weapons so the idea of moving moving out you know having someone move their warlord first and then moving out of the arc of their missiles very important because those missiles will hurt void shields um maybe baiting another enemy titan closer so that your other titan can come around the corner and hit them on the side um the moving phase is extremely important uh for this game uh you two want to add anything because that's that's really the movement phase in a, in a nutshell but you know there's again there's the depth of the ocean with this this is where most of the thinking happens for me when i'm playing um basically i'm trying to bait my opponent into exposing themselves to, basically i'm like hey look at this model you want to kill this right like, like kind of visible like all right let me maneuver to get a good shot lined up and i'm like ah, i gotcha and something else will you know pop out from some unexpected quarter like Guess what? I got a new target lined up. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of the f um, tactical gameplay comes in with the movement phase and what you move, where, when. Um, I, I, yeah, I I agree with all of that. I'm I'm still looking through random things to try to validate either of our thoughts on Splitfire. Um, no, I agree with all of that. It's this is probably one of the 
the most critical decision points in the game because since you care about your arcs not only for your weapons but for your opponents and all and what they're attempting to do to you if you find yourself out of position for either you to be able to shoot or them to shoot you that's when you're getting into a lot of trouble this is a spot where you are essentially going to make the decisions of what's going to happen really in the next round which is you know, arguably the round where you want to be making your good decisions because that's then when you're actually fighting some of these people. Well, okay, after your repair, but then you get to fight them. Yep, and this game, this phase also plays a lot to balance between different Titan classes. Like I said in the last episode, Warhounds are very maneuverable, so you could redeploy them very easily. Warlords are not. They are cumbersome. They get a base oh, yeah. turn of one. I think they boost for two. Dan, is that right? Yes, yes they boost for two. Yeah. That is sad. Um, now again, stratagems so, and legios can screw around with this. Yeah, um, but Dan, you were not prepared for that the other day, were you? Yeah, no, no. It, that, a warhound came up behind him, and a warhound yep. took out a warlord in the span of two turns. Because uh, yes, it was able to maneuver around it. So movement phase, uh, three turns, three turns, three turns. Three turns. Yeah, okay. movement phase is what can make or break you in a game. Yes. Um, yeah, um, but that's good. That's good game yeah. design. Yes. that's good game. That's good I game design. Based gameplay, which is another reason why I absolutely love this game. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, damn. <laughs> I'll do th this. Is there's a joke? <laughs> My titans are always in the orange. Um. So <laughs> before the combat phase, you have the repair phase. So this is a cool phase where basically your servitors. Are you're they're clinging inside the robot, trying to put out fires, trying to do it. So basically, you have a servitor clade. So you roll the amount of d6 uh, that is your servitor clade. So warhounds have two, uh, reavers have three, war bringers have four. I want to say four. Yeah, it's four. I, yeah. Uh, big have four. four, and war masters. I don't even know because I haven't played mine yet. Probably five. It's probably something nuts. Um, but essentially, on these D6, uh, will mean certain things. So on a four plus, you heal the heat, so you can heal, take off uh, one of the track for every four plus you use. On a five plus, it can heal a crit or a shield pip. And if your shield is completely dead, it can only be restarted on a six. Um, and this is where Dave was talking about um, the emergency repair roll because the emergency repair roll gives you a plus one on this roll. So now it's a three plus heals heat. Four plus is a heal crit or shield, and a five plus repart start shield. Um, and which then extra brings repair roll as well. So yes. you get to do the emergency repair and normal and repair, repair at your base yeah. level. Doesn't get the plus yes. ones on the normal repair, but which then it, brings it me helpful. to my favorite thing, and I think Steven's favorite thing too: the death spiral. Yeah. Um, let's okay. So normally you repair everything. However. If your Titan is in the orange or the red track, immediately before you repair the Titan, this is before you repair. This is why I said emergency repair is good for this. Before you repair Titan, you must roll on a table. It is all bad. Um, even though you, you normally think the one result is not like not bad, it is all bad. On a if you're orange, you roll a d6 on the table. If you're red, you roll a d10. And it ranges from the one result being a strength nine hit to the body, which is still bad. Which can I think do a critical damage. Yes, it's it, it, bad. 
We're good. It can be D3 strength hits on the body, strength nine hits. It can it can just burn out your void shields automatically. Let's say you had full voids in your orange. Well, too bad. No void shields. Which, by the way, you might be saying, oh, but thank God my void's already gone. It doesn't hurt me. Nope. If your void shields are gone, yeah, if your void shields are gone and you roll this on the heat table, you just take D3 strength nine hits. You can't escape it. And then if you get higher and higher, it gets worse and worse. And obviously the 10 result is you're just gone. Yep. You just go nuclear. Um, the, the joke of this is one of the Furian stratagems is they can fire an additional weapon for an additional heat. So I try to cool them down as much as possible, but almost always by turn three, turn two, they're in the orange-ish or high yellows. Um, but yeah, you guys want to talk about the orange or red? I've, I've managed to orange and red my Titans at least every game. What about you guys? Nah, I, run, I usually run pretty well. I usually don't run into too much of an issue with that because... I have I have seen people roll the ten and also no I I try to be careful. Orange is orange is one thing you can get by with orange. You, it, it's it's probably not going to end your day. It could, but it's probably not. The red absolutely will. You're gonna go red the first time. You're gonna roll a ten, then you're just done. And the war master is actually six servitor claves. Okay, so I was, okay, yeah. six. I don't know. Man. The number of times I've killed a titan without it ever being targeted by enemy attacks, should let you know that, one, I like to play dangerously, but two, this table can be scary. Yes. Um, Warhounds are terrifying thing, because their body, to do any damage, just don't roll a one, right? But then if you roll a five or a six, um, if you take the hits to the body, roll a five or a six, that'll critically damage your Warhound on the body, and one critical damage on your body means that you start having a reactor leak, which gives you more heat, which starts the death spiral. Um, so, and the uh, Warhounds only have two server clades, so you have two dice, hoping you get enough four-ups to clear the heat, but also that five-up to clear the um, critical damage. So it gets, it gets bad. They cook. They cook hard. Yeah, but that's the repair. It's, again, simple, but again. And then, ladies and gentlemen, what you want to hear about, the combat phase. <sighs> the combat phase. What do we talk about? Right. I mean, so, so, so the combat well, phase. Before you get to combat phase. Oh, oh, what I do? What well, I no, 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 not that. Let's take a look oh. at the time that we're at here. Because we're actually uh, crossing the two-hour mark at this point. And you're about to start oh, combat. Um, To me... Um, perhaps this is a good spot to, to, to call the conversation for a bit, because then what we could do in the next one is we can actually do a full in-depth with, say, combat phase and all, unless you want to go through it somewhat quickly. But Oh, that's actually not a bad idea. That could be our episode three, talking about the different weapon. We could actually specifically talk about the weapons, because that'll take us some time, and then the overall sides we play. Yeah, no, that's a, I like that idea. Yeah, because I, I don't to do it justice beyond this is the part when you shoot it's going to take time obviously to go through and that that time might go rather might go rather long and uh oh, i agree completely and we do love this game enough to give it its 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 due yeah and I, and that's absolutely fine i think it's more important to give it its due and you know, rather than say say something short now and the next time be like, okay, well, forget what we just said. We're going to talk more about it now. Like, yeah, you don't just shoot. Here's the other stuff you do. So um, that's my sort of thought on it. 
I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I like that. All right. Very good. Um, so this, this intro, so I, I always, I'm, I think I said this last time I write the show notes normally. Then I let, I let these two, these two add it and the notes got longer and longer and longer. And I still had this idea in my mind. Now we'll get through it in one. It'll be fine. We didn't even get through it in two, but that's okay. So what, what we'll, what we'll do next time is we will start with combat phase. We'll go through all of that. We'll discuss what other things that we have. Um, we'll have uh, both Dan and Steve finally get a chance to talk about the uh, games that they've been playing lately in Titanicus. We kind of wanted to delay that until we got to a good understanding for anyone who is new. Um, so we will make sure we actually get to that. Um, I don't know if that'll be the episode for the week after. Um, Actually, it might be might, we might try for the week after. What one other one I want to do before the year's kind of out is a year in review. Um, just talking about from the various systems that we do or, or big things that have happened in the hobby across the last year. But we could even do that when the new year rolls around. But um, I I promise next time we will finish our intro. That way, in the future, then we can talk about other nice little selected topics. But we'll get through our introduction by next time. <laughs> Has to end sooner or later. Um, yep, I agree. Yeah. So Hi, I do guys. want to thank everyone who listens. Um, the the listenership has gone up quite well, and I, I do thank everyone for that. Um, in the new year, when I actually have some more time because I'm off of work, you know, I want to put together like a Facebook page and all that sort of stuff. I just haven't any time to do that, and I, I'd rather, you know, kind of have some episodes under our belt, start getting advertisement out, and then do that. So I'm going to do that as well. But in the meantime, if you wish to reach out, especially for Site Titanicus, um, I'm always going to post this on the subreddit for it and all. The other good way to reach out is through um, emails, trainkickersnj at gmail.com. And in the new year, well, the Facebook page and all those sorts of um, other avenues to reach out. Um, it gives you an idea of what we're going to do next. Like I said, I'm not sure the order of those episodes, but you'll be able to see at least by title. Um. Anything else, gentlemen, before we uh, before we close it out? No, I'm good. It's big stompy robots. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On behalf of everyone, I said I want to thank everyone for listening, and we will see you all next time.